This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's up? Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you for a couple hours, getting you into the weekend, recapping last night's Bomber game, and much, much more. we got a packed show today. Looking forward to uh, getting Brandon Rewicki on to the program. We'll talk a little Bombers with Brandon, as well as a little bit of NHL offseason and more. And Weeb's World himself, Ken Weeb, with his weekly visit coming up today in addition to uh, Brandon. We will also get ready for the Ballpark Beer Fest and Winnipeg Sports Talk Night at the Ballpark next week as uh, Goldeyes GM Andrew Collier jumps on. And I do believe the Hacksaw himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, will join us as we're just about getting ready for the weekly NFL Notebook with Hacksaw as training camps are opening up around the league south of the border. And of course, it's Friday. That means marbles, your chance to win a prestigious Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie at the end of the program. Make sure you're around at about 2.45 with us live on the YouTube channel for your chance to enter and win with us. Great to see everyone here uh, today. Shout out to everyone that popped by and said hi yesterday at the Bomber game. Great to see WSTers out in the wild. And hey, just before we get into everything, I just mentioned that Goldeye game. Last call for tickets, everybody. If you haven't already got yours, get over to winnipegsportstalk.com in the next day or so and lock it in. 15 bucks all in. We'll include a WST koozie as long as supplies last. We've had great turnout so far. And uh, we'll be sending the tickets out to everyone um, by Monday. So you'll have it ready to go. And then, of course, that is Wednesday night at the Gold Eyes game. Winnipeg Sports Talk, you and 70-plus uh, friends from the chat room looking to get together for what should be a really, really good night. Of course, big thanks to the Gold Eyes for their support of the show, as well as our other partners, Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club. Had a great time. Shout out to James and Angela for the great hospitality last night at the Bomber Game. Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Great seeing those 1919s out at the stadium now that LBJ is an official partner of the Blue and Gold. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to everybody in chat, and welcome to Michael Remus. Remo, what is going on? How, uh, <laughs> how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, Huss. I'm happy. It's Friday. Nice weather. We had a great night at the stadium last night. Yes, shout out to James and Angela from Canadian Club for uh, showing us a great time. And uh, also, you know, the Bombers won, which was uh, nice to see. A nice bounce back uh, well, on the second half from the first, but also a bounce back from uh, the loss over the weekend to Ottawa. And again, great weather, Huss. Great time to be outdoors here in the city and yeah i'm feeling feeling pretty good are you what were you referring to us eating the yard dog how am i feeling well, from that i kind of glossed over that part <laughs> yeah we can't really bury the lead today on the program um for those that have maybe missed uh the bombers launched 
a $45 monster hot dog a few weeks ago. And of course, we spent plenty of time talking about that, as well as our other concession items. And shout out to all the WSTers. I don't know whether we should shout them out or thank them or curse them for their generous super chats basically putting us up to taking on the yard dog and there it is ladies and gents in all its glory the monster that is the winnipeg blue bombers yard dog which we as a team took down yesterday i have to tell you i I mean again we stick around at the end of the program we do have about a two minute video an edit if you will that Michael's been working on this morning from a bunch of the content that we had last night. But it was all that it was advertised to be and more. As you can see it, there's a couple of the uh, the, sh- uh, the, uh, the, the the shots of it. And again, thank God we were with James and Angela in that loge because I really have no idea how we would have even attempted oh. to eat that thing. Right, um, sure. Attempted to eat that thing otherwise. Uh, because it was, and you can see it right there. There's fries at both ends. And, um, I mean, it's a 32-inch dog. Pretty big, thick dog. Good dog-to-bun ratio. But the reason is that bun has to be massive to hold everything that's in there. I I underestimated just how heavy the pierogi portion of the hot dog was going to be, Remus. That That was what really took its toll on me, to be perfectly honest with you. The bun was really heavy. A lot of it, get, we'll get into it in the video, but um, just going up and ordering it and carrying it around. Big head turner there at IG Field. So um, that was quite an experience and quite a game. Uh, I don't know how much time I want to spend off the top before we actually get into the on-field stuff. but The, the actual game? <laughs> yeah, the actual game. But, I mean, you put it on social media. like It might be one of our most like liked pictures on our instagram so oh dude I, I think we knew that as much as it was going to be a challenge for the two of us to take this thing down people would love it and you as maybe of all the people i know a true connoisseur of likes on social media nothing to nothing to get that uh self-esteem boost more than seeing the notification that oh. someone has liked your picture or video i mean you were on cloud nine, despite the fact that you had half of a yard dog in you for most of the game last night. I felt bad. I, my phone kept going off all the notifications from our Instagram and social media, people liking it, asking us questions, and I'm sitting trying to have a conversation uh, at our table there. Um, so it was it was an experience. We did it. It was fun. Uh, we'll show the vi- Stick around. We'll show the video. I'll have more extended yard dog discussion at the end of the show. Yeah, definitely. But uh, but we uh, we did it. We pretty much took the entire thing down. At the end, you know, there was a few pierogies and stuff left over. And as I said, the the funniest thing about this was that I mean, we knew that we were sitting in a loge with uh, with James and Angela. We figured we'd get there early. Perfect time to do that. We could set up a camera and eat this thing at this loge. Well, man, this is not. You don't just quickly take that thing down. So the anthems are going on, and we're still eating it, and the game's about to start, and we're still eating it, and they're having a blast watching all of this happen. But at a certain point, we're like, okay, we're guests of these people. We brought a $50 hot dog into the into the loge, and we're eating it. It was so big, 
I mean, they weren't sitting down. So we really sort of had to speed up the process by the end and get on with mm -hmm. what the main event really was, not the hot dog, but a football game in which the Winnipeg Blue Bombers needed to win coming off that crushing comeback loss in Ottawa. And uh, Remo, we will get to the game right now while we check out all these, all the glory of these uh, ridiculous pictures of this dog that we ate. Um, I will say the yard dog was certainly the highlight of the first half, at least, because there wasn't much going on on the football field. And um, you know, obviously a red zone turnover by the Elks prevented getting into the end zone early. But um, to be honest, it seemed like the Bombers at times had maybe just crushed a yard dog because I wouldn't say that they were very sharp right out of the gate. And uh, it was very much a football game heading into the second half. Yeah, a couple, um, you know, interesting things. The missed, you know, the missed short yardage uh, on third down, uh, very uncharacteristic of the Blue Bombers. And the two missed field goals in the first half, sorry, one missed extra point and one missed field goal at the end of the first half. Um, you don't really see that from Sergio Castillo. And I was reading John Hodges' report on Three Down Nation. He's like, hey, the only other guy on the in the league who hasn't missed a field goal now is Mark Leggio, which I nice. thought which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, I wasn't going to judge. You know, the game is four quarters, and I remember the game against Saskatchewan was very tight, and the Bombers really pulled away, so I was going to wait till see what happened in the second half, and uh, the Bombers certainly pulled away. You know, I had called victory maybe a bit prematurely after the Dembski <laughs> touchdown. I said, yeah, it's done. And then Dylan Mitchell has the long TD um, right after, but I think you like the way that they finished off the game. Brady Oliveira hitting the over uh, on the final drive, hitting the 100-yard mark for rushing, um, really helped ice the game and um, you know limited the mistakes. Zach Claris throwing for over 300 yards. Uh, Kenny Lawler coming back, leading the team with catches, a seven, 93 yards receiving, looking making a spectacular catch, making a nice run after the catch. Um, they rebounded very well. Uh, in the second half, the first half was kind of like, what the heck's going on? Like, did they even have any red zone possessions, like one in the first half? Yeah, um, it, not really. I mean, it was um, it, it was pedestrian a little bit. And in a little ways, it was sort of a carryover from a bit of the fourth quarter. Now, obviously, defensively, it wasn't uh, quite that. I mean, the defense stepped up and they were... They were in the backfield all all night long on Taylor Cornelius. However, there was a little bit of deja vu when, you know, Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson, they're getting into the backfield, getting their hands on Cornelius, but weren't able to take him down. And all of a sudden, what should have been an eight or nine yard loss turned into a 30 yard gain the other way. Um, tell me if you remember that from last Saturday, uh, certainly with Dustin Crumb. Um, but I think this team went back into the, locker room realizing that this was absolutely still their game and um you know put the boots down to uh to their opponent the rest of the way they did give up that one big play in the second half other than that though that was the winnipeg blue bomber defense absolutely taking over a game and i thought the offense looked a heck of a lot better and listen we'll talk about kenny lawler and what he brought back to the lineup i mean he was phenomenal and Reminded us all just what a special receiver he was in his Bomber debut for this season after missing out the first third of the year. Um, Dalton Schoen was impactful as well, although did leave the game. Um, thank God, it was perfect time for a bye week because um, he was roughed up a little bit. Nick Dembski had a big play. 
But I think the best sign for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers was what happened in the fourth quarter. And, man, it reminded me of the Calgary game, Reem. I mean, a game that was still relatively up in the air. The Bombers got the football, took control. The offensive line stepped up. And Brady Oliveira turned into the Bomber bulldozer. And, you know, you mentioned all those props. I mean, uh, my pal Pat from Coolbet had texted me. He goes, that's it. I'm done betting Oliveira props. And literally within two seconds, he busted that 25-yarder, then another 10-yarder. Um, and it was very similar to that 10-yard drive. It didn't take as long, but they got it into the end zone, went the distance, running the football, um, and really sort of stepped on the throat of the Edmonton Elks, who, you know, were a game team. I mean, for a team that was uh, zero wins on the season, I thought they battled hard. But the Bombers are a couple weight classes up, and they reminded everybody about that in the second half. And listen, kids, there's stuff to build on. Absolutely. Can they be better? Definitely, yes. But this team is 5-2. and two. They're going into the bye week. I think a much-needed bye week for this football team. They'll have a long week of practice when they come back the following week. And then it's time for the BC Lions to come back to Winnipeg. And we'll see if that was an aberration earlier this season when BC whooped the Bombers. Um, and they'll have an opportunity to right that uh, wrong from earlier this season. So all in all, I thought it was a great performance uh, in the second half. And uh, hey, this is a game. Uh, this is a uh, a business about wins and losses, and most importantly, they got the win. The first team to five in the Canadian football. Yeah, five. You mentioned Dalton Schoen left with an injury, they said, after not serious. And um, good time for a buyout. Seven weeks in a row of football. That's a lot of ball. But as you said, first team to five wins. You can take a break and rest up for your big matchup August 3rd. Yes, August 3rd at home against BC. And BC, they've got a tough schedule coming up. Uh, they play this Saturday at home against Saskatchewan. Go to Edmonton the next Saturday after that. And then they will be here on the Thursday. So a bit of a shorter week for them while the Bombers are resting. And uh, I think, yeah, you had to like the performance in the second half, first half. Um, you know, I'm not sure what happened there, but they were able to regroup, clean it up. Zach Claros looked strong. They protected the football. They ran the ball. Dalton Stone, what, he left the injury, two catches, 42 yards. Nice play by Rashid Bailey uh, for a touchdown. So I think people had a great night at IG Field. We did. A great weather. I mean, I brought a hoodie. I didn't really need to wear it. You were somehow oh. in a hoodie and pants the whole time. I don't know how how you lived doing that. but Listen, I, I took a big L for that yesterday. And I don't know. It just it hadn't been very hot all week. <laughs> It didn't look like. I think it was about 24. I thought, oh, okay, well, it'll get down a little bit later on. And, you know, it was sort of the white game. So I had a white T-shirt on, but my bomber uh, hoodie. And I always liked that. I've got a bunch of stuff in my pocket. So that's a good one with a zip up. Uh, I mean, we parked the car. And by the time we walked in, I'm like, I'm such an idiot for wearing this. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad a little later on. And I did have two layers. And, you know, if I got half the yard dog all over myself, which miraculously did uh, did not happen. I, I'm just looking at the stats here. And Kenny Lawler, seven catches, 93 yards, didn't get in the end zone. I was kind of hoping, and maybe I, maybe I made a sprinkle on that. Um, but I thought he was, I mean, he was the difference maker. Now, I know Nick Dembski was four for four on his targets for 115 yards and maybe the easiest touchdown of his career. 
Like, was there anyone within 20 yards of him when he caught that ball in the second half? Um, but I really liked what Zach Caleros did. I mean, uh, you know, Zach coming back from a game that, you know, he had a, a pass that was just off that ended up being tipped. And next thing you know, it's a pick six and that turns everything around and was a little off balance and rushed on that early pick in the second half, in the first half, excuse me, which sort of got Edmonton really into the game. But man, when you look at his numbers, 20 of 24, 308 yards, two touchdowns, uh, the 70 yarder to Nick Dembski. Um, Zach Caleros is the leader. Uh, I don't think that he's feeling, I don't think he was feeling really, you know, anything from the previous game or even the, you know, rather pedestrian start of the Bombers. And uh, they got the job done, led by number eight. And uh, he'll have a nice week with his family as the rest of the Bombers will. And just a quick look ahead to that August 3rd game. I'll give a shout out to my buddy Darshan Singh out in BC, a big, big Lions guy. The Lions are playing, uh, obviously, this weekend. They then play again next Saturday and then come to Winnipeg on Thursday. All of that time, the Bombers are going to be off. So I will say this. The schedule is is uh, smiling on the defending Western Division champs right now. And uh, there's going to be no excuses on August 3rd if they can't get it done because BC is in a real tough spot with three with two more games before turning around on a short week to play Winnipeg. And I'd imagine most of the guys in Bloom and Gold are going to be spending quite a bit of time thinking about that game, even on the bye week this week. Yeah, how could you not? Uh, it's a big one. You want to get revenge uh, for the loss earlier this year at home. And we'll see how BC fares uh, against Saskatchewan. Uh, I'll do give a shout-out shout to Cameron Lawson as well. Huge interception was the first quarter in the red zone. Uh, that was a big turning point of the game. Didn't get... Much of a return. I think they were joking uh, on the post game, but they <laughs> fell down. Uh, you know, the athletic ability of the big guys there. We did have a big guy interception. Uh, that was that was uh, a really big play at a time where it looked like Edmonton uh, was driving, uh, about to score. So, uh, yeah, look, it was first half. You know, not ideal, but hey, it's a four quarter game. As we learned last week, us it was a four quarter game, right? And uh, they came out in the second half, and that was uh, the Bombers' second half team that we've seen allowing uh, allowing zero points there in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, the the Lawson pick was one of the great moments of the game. I mean, mm -hmm. deflected, and you know, from the Edmonton side, Mandis Cornelius have a knack for turning the football over on the goal line or in and abouts that area. Anyways, it happened again. But when you see a guy that's basically a nose tackle getting a pick and rumbling three or four yards and, you know, making a huge play. The only guys more excited, maybe, I mean, he was fired up, but man, were his teammates jacked up for him. And obviously it was a big, big play, taking a minimum of three points off the board. But always nice to see the big guys make something like that happen. Um, we'll talk more Bombers over the course of the show for sure. I got home after the game, Remus, and turned on the tube and could not believe that Team Canada was locked in a 0-0 draw with Nigeria at the end of the game. Christine Sinclair, the all-time most decorated goal scorer in international soccer history, misses the free kick, and Canada ties Nigeria, the team that is far and away the lowest-ranked team in their group, which also includes Ireland and Australia. 
Um, so not exactly what I was hoping to come back to afterwards. And um, listen, they got one point. It's not like this is devastating, but it certainly makes their game coming up against the Irish a must-win game considering that uh, they've got a very, very tough host team in the Aussies in their group as well. Yeah, but definitely puts the pressure on with Australia. Uh, now in the lead in their group, they have one win, uh, defeating Ireland 1-0. And we'll see how it goes uh, the next game. Uh, definitely some additional pressure, and you would like to see Christine Sinclair put that in. She didn't, so uh, they'll move on. And... We'll see how they go against Ireland. Uh, what I was just thinking, like, what a legend uh, Christine Sinclair is that still going strong, uh, still you know on Team Canada. What is Remember she, like watching thirty eight, I think. Yeah, watching twenty twelve, like, um, pretty awesome that she's still in line. But it just takes you a, a moment to appreciate uh, how great this team has been going back. What I think for me, for me, went on the radar. London Olympics was really like the breakout. Uh, Absolutely, 2012, 2012. Was, was the breakout performance of Canada's women. You had that Canada-U.S. game. So uh, nice that they would start the game, you know, right after the Bomber game, and you got to see the, the end. Uh, unfortunately, it was a tie. Yeah, um, um, definitely our uh, our ladies are uh, missing the destroyer. Winnipeg's own Desiree Scott in the middle. I mean, she has been the the mainstay of that midfield for the better part of the last decade. And Janine Becky who uh, I believe outside of Christine Sinclair is the most decorated women's goal scorer for Canada, um, injured, and she's doing a bunch of TSN panel work, but not part of the club right now. So, you know, it'll be some of the young guns, Jordan Heidema and uh, Julia Russo. Um, I mean, there's a, uh, I would say that there's an opportunity for that young next generation to really step up and make things happen. Um, but as they say, it's uh, you don't get a lot of outs, and uh, I would say they sort of gave the Nigerians an out right now. And the game against Ireland is everything coming up, and we'll uh, be paying close attention to uh, to that. Um, you know, Brandon's going to jump on with us in a minute, Reem, and we will discuss um, the latest in and around the league. I, I will bring this up with him, but very um, Ilya Samsonov going to arbitration with the Leafs today. They did not get a deal done beforehand. So he's going to need to, he's going to have to hear from his team how much he sucks for the better part of a couple hours and why he is only deserving of 2.4 million. And um, his agent will say why he's unreal and deserves 4.9 million. And he's going to get one of the two. I'm stunned that it got that far, but um, that is the case. However, the Jets did not go to arbitration with Gabriel Velarde. And I know we talked about him in his first uh, address meeting the media, what was it, a couple weeks ago after the trade. Um, but I got to say, I was fired up when I saw Gabe's message to a Winnipeg Jet fans after signing his deal. You want to play that? Yeah, let me just uh, bring it up. That was our big Jets news of the week. Well, we did have the Morgan Barron signing, and uh, Morgan did join us on this show. So take a look at that if you haven't. But here was uh, Gabe Velarde. Giving a shout out to all the Jets fans here on, uh, what was it, on social media. Here's the video. Hey, Jets fans. I'm really happy to get my new deal done. I can't wait for training camp in September and uh, for the season to start in October. I'm really excited. Go, Jets, go, baby. Go, Jets, go, baby, in there at the end. And uh, 
Yeah, he's, uh, he, listen, he seems to have a great attitude about this, which is exactly what you'd hope. Uh, I was I was a little concerned right off the bat with Alex Iafallo, knowing how, you know, kind of connected he was to that Southern California area after playing the Kings, but with the Kings. But I think both of these uh, young men are really embracing their uh, their opportunity coming here and being a big part of the Winnipeg Jets going forward. And obviously, it's the middle of July, so we don't have many other things to talk about, although maybe we will get to this later on. Any worry about Vili Hainala kind of handling and going up against the big boys in front of the net? Don't worry about it, because he caught about an 80-pound fish yesterday, and that was all I needed to see, that he is ready to go toe-to-toe with some monsters next year if he gets his opportunity. Uh, we'll have that coming up in our Jets off-season report of what the heck some of these guys are doing. But we're going to bring in uh, Brandon Rowicki coming up in just a second. Uh, hey, everyone knows that Brandon is synonymous with great hair. And if you need great hair, how's this for a segue? You need to get on down to Modern Man Barbershop. Eight locations now in Winnipeg with their newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well at Modern Man Barbershops. Going to be heating up for the next couple weeks. It's pool time, folks. Maybe you should think about making 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pri- on pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Well, another beautiful summer weekend is here. Maybe you're going camping. Maybe you're planning on boating. Maybe you'll be hitting the ATVs. Maybe you just need to do a ton of work outside with that lawn tractor. Bottom line is, gang, you need batteries for whatever you're doing. And Manitoba Battery is your local option with the best prices in town, the best service, and the most convenient transaction, which will involve you not even leaving your house. That's the deal, folks. Shopping local, beating the pants off the big box stores with prices on all makes and models and sizes of batteries. And with any purchase over 60 bucks, Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you for free anywhere inside the city of Winnipeg. It really is that easy. So whatever your battery needs are this summer, Donnie and his team have you covered. You can pop down and see him at 1026 Logan Avenue. Give him a call or get online to manitobabattery.com and order today. And as we said this right off the top, we have to give a big shout out to our friends over at Canadian Club because uh, they took very good care of us last night, James, Angela, and the team. Of course, they are the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Enjoyed a few of those delicious Canadian Club and ginger ales. And also had, I think, my new drink of the summer, the Jim Beam and Lemonade. Oh, my God, was that tasty. Uh, Of course, when you're at a bomber game, you can get it everywhere in the stadium. But uh, for this weekend, pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for your favorite Canadian club products. And, of course, you can get Canadian Club and Ginger Ale now in 473 milliliter cans at your favorite beer vendor as well. All right, let's get Ruiki in here and get things going. Brandon, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I, I thought for a sec we were going to have to drop the gloves because I, I first glanced that looked like an Arsenal kit. 
But happy oh, to see the, the Maple Leaf there. Canada yeah, we're right okay. There. We're good. We're good. We're good. That's what's up. So do it doing a little bit better now that we got that out of the way. Yeah, who's your team? What are you? Uh you're a scouser? <laughs> Chelsea, baby. Oh, Chelsea. Chelsea since the Drogba days, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think no matter who your premier team is or whatever, everyone's cheering for our women right now. And uh I don't know, did you catch much of the game last night? I mean, uh Listen, I knew things were going to maybe be a bit of a struggle early on. We know that, let's face it, when it comes to functional federations, uh, we would be near the bottom of that list, and our women have been through a lot. But, I mean, you need three points in that game. Uh, Now they're going to need to find a way. But, um, I mean, just before we get to the hockey and soccer, uh, or the uh, hockey and football stuff, this Ireland game is everything going forward because I don't think you can count on anything coming out of that Australia game, especially seeing the massive home side advantage that had even the New Zealand team winning as seven to one underdogs in their first game against Norway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, Canada, Canada and spot kicks in the opening game of world cups. It's oh. uh that's, that's not our cup of tea right now. That's yeah. I, I saw somebody mention it was a, a nil-nil win for Nigeria and a nil-nil loss for Canada. And that's that's what it was there. So it's a scary part of these short tournaments, man, is that you have one setback and there is no room for error now for Canada. Um, you know, I thought this going back to the last World Cup, but um I know it's not all of their issues encapsulated in one there, but She's done so much for the, I mean, for the federation and for the team and everything in the, the country. But might might be, might be time to have Christine Sinclair come off the bench and maybe be a, a late game specialist as opposed to, you know, being a part of the midfield right now. And there's a bunch of other injury issues Canada's going with right now. But yeah, th- th- just worry about the next one. We get three points there, we're going to be just fine, and then we'll worry about the rest of the tourney after that. Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule for those that want to make a point of watching. We're going to be getting up early on Wednesday. 7 a.m. Central Time, Canada taking on Ireland. And then the following Monday, 5 a.m. against the Socceroos, the host Aussies. And, I mean, they're going to need to have four points in the bank going into that one. So, uh, anyways, not a great start for our Canadian women, but a uh, neat start for the entire tournament. And uh, all eyes now on uh, on Australia for the uh, 7 a.m on the 26th. Um, what do you think of the Bombers last night? Uh, I mean, we haven't spoke since what happened, the crumbback last Saturday in Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, hey, this team, and I've said this a number of times, we have been spoiled, um, you know, especially longtime Bomber fans. I mean, it's like we've been pinching ourselves for the last four years with the incredible bar that has been raised. Um, and maybe they're the victim of their own success. But, I mean, that was the most stunning and improbable turnaround in recent CFL history. But I will say this. There was a lot of people going, eh. there wasn't a ton of confidence oozing out of normally very confident Bomber fans at halftime, even taking on a winless Elks team last night. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to kind of make this nice and simple, when when the Bombers pass block, they, they tend to be a pretty good football team. When Zach Caleros doesn't have more than two seconds to throw, they're not a good football team. I mean, that's it's kind of the, the recipe for success with, with any club. But, I mean, that, that to me has been the biggest area of concern for the Bombers. And it didn't necessarily get, you know, eased in that game against Edmonton. I mean, that, that's that been the struggles for the offense all season long. I mean, it seems like the defense, for the most part, you know, their, their main concern has just been 
mobile quarterbacks. And then when they lose contain in the pocket there, that's when they got hurt against Ottawa and at times against Edmonton last night. But it's just the whole line's been brutal for, for, for way, way too long, way too many stretches this year. But when, when Kalaros has time to go back in the pocket, I mean, they are pretty explosive and dangerous. And then Kenny Lawler looked like the best player on the field last night. I mean, that's going to be massive for the offense moving forward. But it's just going to be, if, if there's a clean pocket, the Bombers are going to win well over 90% of their football games. How confident are we that that's going to be the case? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. And it, it's, it's shocking, too, to see. I mean, you mentioned the, the comeback against Ottawa. But the shocking thing for me is just that Hall of Fame to be Stanley Bryan does not look like a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame player right now, and there's just too many times that you know his his chest is facing Zach, and we'll see we'll see if he's able to to kind of you know reverse that and, and figure it out down the stretch here. But eh, I, I hope so, man, because they're just way too good of a team to be done in by by poor pass protection. The run game looked pretty damn good to close out that one in Edmonton at the very least. Well, and that was a very, very different story than against Ottawa. Cause even throughout, I mean, the time when they were winning, they couldn't run the ball. Um, but I think back to the way they suffocated the stamps with that 10 minute drive in the fourth quarter looked a lot like the same order of business last night. And uh, you know, that'll be good for the old line, but I think it's fair to ask some questions as to, you know, where that group is at. But again, I mean, maybe they're the victims of their own success because we're so used to them just dominating teams yeah. night in and night out. And that's a big reason why, by the way, thanks to Donnie boy in chat. Yes, that's right. The Matildas are the Aussie, uh, the Aussie team. I know I wasn't sure whether we were misgendering anybody by calling them Socceroos or the Matildas, but I think you are right. That is the case. Uh, bottom line is Australia is the real deal and we got to play them coming up a week Monday in the, uh, in the women's world cup. Um, Brandon, let's get to a little hockey talk. Um, Gabe Velarde signed. We just played his little pump up video to jet fans. He seems to certainly be embracing the opportunity that he's got in Winnipeg. What did you think of the song? Uh, were you uh, listen? I, I was not surprised at all. Other than I thought maybe he would have gotten a few extra hundred thousand dollars on this deal. I was totally expecting a two-year deal considering there's four years of team control. He's a new player coming over. Um, did you see it the way I did? or were you? I was kind of surprised at the amount of people going, whoa, they really missed an opportunity for a long-term deal. Not even sure that either side thought that right now was the time to do that. Where are you at on the Volardi? Well, I mean, what's that? 99% of RFAs have signed a two-year deal this offseason. Like, I, I don't know why people were surprised. Like, that, clearly every agent is talking to their player, their client, and saying, look, let's just let's try to revisit this in two years. The cap will go up by a bit, and, you know, we'll, we'll make a little bit of extra dough at that point. So uh, it'd be great. It would have been great, in my opinion, to have him locked in for six, seven years. But there has been almost nobody that's done that so far. So there's very little I think the Jets could have done there. But at the same time, too, you know, like there is a little bit of maybe – like maybe we should slow play it a touch, right? Like we're talking about a guy that's had some pretty significant back concerns in his in his young career and one good season for sure, but only one season of of solid production so far. So I to, to me when I look at the Velarde deal, yeah, it would have been nice to get a few more years in, but at the same time, you know what if it costs the Jets a bit in 2 years, then you know, that's that's a pretty damn good problem to have if they have to pay him, you know, seven or eight million dollars on a long term deal. Right. So I, I just I, I think teams are kind of behind the eight ball this summer when it comes to 
negotiating with their RFAs. This is just how it's going right now. Pretty much everybody's locked into a two-year deal, and <laughs> it's going to be a mad offseason in two years from now. But I think agents are just realizing that, you know what, there's not too much money to go around at the moment. Let's get this two-year deal underway. We'll have about 100-plus more games under our belt, hopefully, by the time we come around to negotiate next time. And the Jets still have two more years, right? Either two or three, for sure, two more years of of RFA control at that point. So they still hold a lot of uh, chips and, and, and the cards when it comes to negotiating with Velarde next time around. Yeah, you know, it's a great point. That's a big reason why I think Velarde made so much sense for the Winnipeg Jets to, you know, to acquire as part of that deal. Coming off a real sort of breakout season, you know, has the ability to play top six, can play on the wing, can play in the middle, but there's four years of team control. And, you know, it was funny hearing him talk when he met the media the first time. He said his deal last year, the one-year deal he was on, was just sort of like, okay, here's your deal. Thank you very much, and you sign it. Obviously, he had more to stand on this year. and I mean, that was never getting to ARB. Uh, I don't think there was any doubt about that. However, um, you know, from a Jets perspective, as excited as you are about a player like this, you make a great point. There has been injury issues in the past, and you, know, you want to make sure things go well. I'm not sure that you're looking at jumping into a seven, six or a seven-year deal right off the bat. And for Velarde's part... Um, I think it's twofold. First of all, he's getting traded to a new team. He's never even played a game. I mean, this isn't Jonathan Huberto that was at the point where he's going to be getting free agent money. They gave him the best deal that's obviously on the table, and he just signs it because he knows that that's going to be the most money. For Velarde, he gets to come here, obviously play a very big role for this team, and will have every opportunity to be in a situation in two years where... He's one of the go-to guys on this team, and they're interested in signing him long-term, and he's worth a hell of a lot more than the three and a half mil or whatever it was that he got this year. So to me, it makes a lot of sense, and this is just doing business right now in the summer of 2023 for RFAs. Yeah, I mean, on on his side, there's a not insignificant chance that he's this team's number one center come training camp, right? Like, depending what happens with Mark Shively. So, I mean, you, you want to talk about negotiating power next time around, you know, potentially yeah. getting 20 minutes a night down the middle for all, all that stuff. I mean, there's the opportunity for him to hit it big for sure. So I, I get it from his side of things. You know, honestly, if I had to pick between either Velarde or, or Dylan Sandberg, which one I'd go long term, as, as much as I like Velarde's team, I, I might have picked Dylan Sandberg anyways. Um, but this is just, I think it's just the nature of the business right now when it comes to RFAs is just that nobody's signing. I, what is it? I think Caulfield was maybe the only one that, that went long-term. But other than that, I can't really think of too many off the top of my head this offseason, especially after free agency happened. You know, these guys are just, everybody's playing the waiting game right now. And that, that, there's a lot of UFAs doing that, but there's a lot of RFAs doing that right now. And, you know, to be fair, that's from a player side of things, that's that's probably the way to go. And it's really the only way you can utilize any leverage that you have going up against, you know, the GM and the team in terms of contract negotiating, you have a little, little power to begin with, but trying to stick with a, a shorter term deal and then parlaying that into a bigger ticket down the road is, is really the only way to go about things. Caulfield secured the bag. And of course, PLD secured the bag as well, but that was part of the, uh, him going there. And now the pressure's all on Dubois to uh, prove that he was worth a pretty big ransom that the Kings gave up to get him there. And, uh, you know, that $8.5 million salary, 
that will be more than Andrzej Kopitar is, not next year, but in the following two years. And um, I'm fascinated to see how all the, that all plays out. You know what else I'm interested to see how it plays out? This Samsonov situation with the Leafs in Toronto. Yeah. I, I can't remember, and again, you might know this. Uh, maybe I'm just talking off the top of my head, but trying to remember a scenario where the ask and the expectation between the team and the player was so different. I mean, it's more than 100% more, the ask from the player. Leafs offering 2-4, him going for 4.9. This is a guy they're going to need, and they're going to need to have in a good headspace. And I would almost offer that if there's one player on your team you don't want going through what arbitration is all about in the NHL, it would be your starting goaltender. And yet that's exactly what's happening with the Maple Leafs today as we speak. Yeah, just status quo with Toronto, man. Let's just alienate our starting goalie as much as we can going into the year. Um, you know, and I wonder, like, w- when it comes to these arbitration numbers, you know, I wouldn't, I, I would like to see the NHL adopt MLB's strategy or format or whatever you want to call it, where each side picks a number and then the arbitrator just chooses one of those two numbers. Like, I think that would eliminate this kind of... And I get why the players and the teams do it, but it eliminates this goofy player asks for too much, team asks for too little, and then we just end up meeting in the middle anyways. Like, I feel like we can kind of eliminate the middleman and just have each side pick their own number. But, I, I mean, I guess Toronto know. I mean, maybe they don't, though, because Trilliven comes in for Dubas. I was going to say, maybe they know their, their goalie better than anybody else, and... You know, maybe a kick in the ass might be what, what he needs to have another good season there. Um, I mean, I, I, as a whole, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen in Toronto this year, man. It's just like so much change, but did they even get any better as a club despite making all of these moves? So we'll we'll wait and see with that one. You know, I, I wonder if you would take a bet right now, Hus, who the starting goalie is, assuming the, the Leafs make the playoffs, if you would go with Samsonov or, or uh, Wool. Um, after he showed himself pretty good at the end of the year and even in the playoffs too. So, I mean, there's there's that part of it too from Toronto's side of things is do we want to give this guy a big ticket number knowing that we might have a cheaper, maybe even as good or better alternative sitting right behind him right now? Yeah, um, it, is, it, it is. Like, I, I like what the Leafs did in the offseason. I was surprised. And again, you know, sometimes I'm all in on what some of these models say. Sometimes I say this is junk. But, I mean, the Jets, listen, they lost Pierre-Luc Dubois and Don LeCision had them at, like, 27th as far as the thing. I was stunned that with the Leafs getting the likes of Domi and Klingberg and Bertuzzi on one-year deals, which, uh, as I've said a million times, there's not a lot of bad one-year deals when it comes to the salary cap era, that they were the, the only team other than Boston that regressed more according to that model. I, I, I will admit, I don't, I don't buy that right now. Um, but maybe we're thinking more about name value and kind of ignoring what a team like that lost. And certainly when we bring it back to the Winnipeg Jets, you know, losing Pierre-Luc Dubois is, you know, on paper and in reality a big, big hole at center ice. But when we look ahead to training camp and the way this team looks come, uh, you know, opening game of the season, whether Mark Scheifele's here a part of it or not, I really think that the uh, success of this team starting this and going forward will be creating a team that is far less dependent on just one line and playing one group for 23, 24 minutes a night and getting all the power play time and really getting more guys involved on a more consistent basis. And I think when you look at the Jets 1-12 to right now, 
you certainly can make the argument that they're far more well-balanced. And a fourth line right now, based on 1-12, to 12, what we think that roster will be as we talk about it today, definitely capable of playing more than the five and six minutes that a Jet fourth line really has for the last three or four years. Yeah, well, I mean, plus their, their forward group knows how to play some defense now. Right, like Velarde is by all. I mean, whether he's out there on the wing or down the middle, I mean, he's he's pretty damn close to, to a defensive stud up front. And then Ayafalo is 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 pretty solid in that department as well. I mean, you throw in a full season of Nino Niederreiter as opposed to just twenty some odd games coming in at the deadline. There, I mean, that there's that part of it too, where you know <laughs> Connor Hellebuck hasn't really had a solid defensive team in front of him since the Western Conference final run. And he's put up Vesna-like numbers in the majority of the season since then. So you wonder, you know, if he's with the team for game one of the season, what he's going to be able to do. And if we maybe see a shift in, in how the Jets play instead of, you know, a, a, a club that likes to go goal for goal with you, maybe they become a little bit more of a, I won't go shutdown team just yet, but but maybe a little more um, imposing to try to to get some scoring chances against there. So it, what, what, what was interesting to me about that article more so than anything, Huss, was almost more so just how, how how rare it was to see a team improve this offseason. Like, there was a lot of either clubs just status quo or, or or dropping down in terms of the the value that they lost with players going out the door, just with how how rare cap space has been so far here. So, I mean, it's it's the, at least as far as the, the middle group goes in the NHL, the contenders are still the top dogs, and there's about six or seven awful teams but after that, there's about 20 or so teams that are all really, really close. And there's just going to be a lot of luck and health that, that comes down to who's going to fit where. And I think the Jets fall into that pack right now. And we'll see what they're able to do the rest of the way here. I mean, they've got a lot of cap space. Not a lot of teams have that available. So we'll see if the Jets try to utilize that now or save it to the deadline. No, it is a great point. Brandon Rewicki's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, before we finish up, let's get to the Open Championship. Is it over? I mean, that round by Brian Harmon today was, I, 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 I don't even, words won't even do it justice right now, but we're seeing what these guys are going through this afternoon. For him to birdie two, three, four, five, have no bogeys, and then the way he played 18 with that scintillating drive, a five iron to about 12 feet, sinking the putt for eagle. When that went in, I did say to myself, this might be over. Not yet. And, and I mean, we've seen this. I and, hope you're and, right. And yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, the wind and the rain's kind of slowly starting to come in. And I, I do wonder a little bit. I mean, there's some really big names in and around like one, two under-ish. And if you get into one of the early tea times and the weather's nice and you put up a nice number, and then things get worse as the day moves along. I mean, there's a chance that a guy that's in like, 15th place right now might be in and around the lead heading into Sunday there. So I, I don't think it's over just yet. Uh, I mean, Tommy, I saw, unfortunately, Tommy had to chip out of a bunker before I, I came on here. So, he, I mean, he was three or four back. I don't know how close he is now. But, I mean, if you got the hometown boy in a final pairing with, with Harmon on Saturday, then I, it's, it's, not, it's not over just yet. And, I mean, Seb Straka could drop at 61 at any point in time, too. And he had himself a hell of a finish to – to the back nine today. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I mean a little hopeful and saying it's not over yet, but I, I don't think it's over just yet. And I'm, I think I'm with pretty much 99% of golf fans looking at the leaderboard right now thinking it's let, let's get Tommy a major. Like it's, 
one of the nice dudes. He was a beauty at the at the Canadian Open. Let's let's make sure Tommy wins one on home soil here. You know what? I, I have to say, I mean, Harmon's not really a, a household name. Um, I'm kicking myself for not paying more attention to him coming in. I mean, he had a ninth, a second, and a twelfth in his three events coming in. And he might be, if he's not the, he's certainly amongst the best putters. And then you move it here. And I don't know, I think that's maybe why we were off the scent of Harmon in that, you know, these Lynx courses are slower greens. You kind of think that it's more of an equalizer. I think we're seeing right now, this is a guy that was already one of the best. And if you put him on a track that it's even easier to make it than what he's used to on the PGA Tour, he can be that much better. But, I mean, the ball striking, the consistency, not getting in any trouble, it really was something. And, yeah, there's our guy Sepp at three after a four under. I'm blowing all the uh, the money I made on Sepp at 50 to one when he won a couple <laughs> weeks ago on some of these other guys. But, I mean, if we were hoping, I was really hoping Brooks would make a bit of a run today. He's two over at plus one right now. Um we can't rule out Rory McIlroy, who is at one under par. Cam Young's at one under. And Cam, he must have just had a double or something like that. Oh, he had back-to-back bogeys because I did see that he was uh, he was three under before that. Max Homa had a great start, but he gave a few back last week. I mean, seeing what these guys are doing right now and how no one's really putting together a massive round for the most part, other than the likes of Jason Day and Straka yeah. with four under. That's six under from Brian Harmon. I mean, it certainly puts him clearly in the driver's seat. And I'll say this, if he just plays consistently and doesn't make any big mistakes, he's probably going home with a claret jug. Yeah, I mean, that that's the round of the year, I think, the six under today, like in, in the entire oh, yeah. golf season. I mean, maybe Weber, I could see him here. Maybe Weber had a, a beauty one like that on the, the Manitoba Golf Tour. I don't know, but... Um, I just, I, I just want, I want like three guys in and around the leaderboard come Sunday. That's all I ever wanted to major. So hopefully, hopefully Tommy gets in there and I wouldn't rule out Jason day just yet. I mean, you talk about ball strikers. Uh, he's when, when he's healthy, he's one of the top five on the planet. So let's, so I, uh, Jason day, Tommy Fleetwood final pairing Sunday. Get me down for that. Love J day. That would be something else. And yes, Ken, it's funny that you mentioned Ken in relation to Brian Harmon, because having played with him recently, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure we could have a more opposite player. Ken swinging for the fences every time, making it happen, and then getting onto the green and just, let's say, not looking very much like Brian Harmon. Um, But I'm looking forward to Ken's weekly golf report. I'm sure he's been all over the place, and I know he'll be paying attention to the Open Championship. But, Ruiki, have an awesome weekend, and uh, I'll look forward to talking to you next week, buddy. Sounds good. Have a good one. There is your host of Skates and Plates. Get it wherever you get your favorite podcast. Brandon Rewicki with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Still to come, we will do a marble race, and we will do, Remus has put together, I think, a two-minute video, a highlight highlight package of us taking the yard dog down last night at the stadium in that blue Bombers win. Um, just before we bring in Weber... Shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market with six locations in Winnipeg and great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Barbecue season is in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and check out those grass fed bison and beef steaks that'll make your dinner take it to the next level. 
And you can wash those down with some sober carpenter beer or Zevia sodas. And hey, if you're doing some day trips, head on down to Vita Health. Their grab and glow lunches are delivered fresh twice a week. And this month, you'll get a free sap sucker drink with any Vita Market sandwich or wrap. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, of course, Wallace and Wallace is. I've a busy summer as the fencing and overhead door specialist in Winnipeg since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. They definitely have the right one for you. And it's time to replace your garage door. Give them a buzz because they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as well. Simple call to 452-2700 and the Wallace & Walls team will arrange a time to give you a free estimate. You could also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas? Because if it's time to up your menswear game heading into the rest of wedding season in the fall, you need to get down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are in a wedding party in the future, talk to them about a 15% discount when the wedding party gets their suits from F Apparel. You can do it all downtown at 190 Smith Street. Check them out online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And hey, Blizzard season is here. The good kind. No weather warnings for this. Uh, just some great new summer Blizzard flavors over at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Pop by with the family to the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, or the DQ out in Niverville. And uh, get that taste of summer that uh, makes everybody's day. Nothing like a trip to DQ with the family. Big thanks to Nick and Nicky for their support of WST. All right. Time to get into the big brain of one Weeb's world. <laughs> Ken Weeb joins us now on WST. Weaver, what's good, buddy? How are you? Uh, Hustle's uh, doing very well. Thank you. Happy Friday to you. Uh, this is a, this one. It's a rare one for you. Uh, after seeing the photos of the yard dog, I'm a little I'm dropping you a wake up because I could have helped you out with that at the Bomber game last night. Uh, beautiful night to be witnessing some football action. Impressive second half for the blue and gold. A nice return for Kenny Lawler. Certainly had those uh, sticky hands at work on a few of those plays. And uh, Nick Dembski having himself uh, another day. And also Brady Oliveira, how about that second half? I was pretty quiet on the ground in the first half, but uh, the wrecking ball was moving uh, in the second half, moving those chains. And uh, the O-line, which was a little bit under siege in the first half, uh, responded accordingly. So... Uh, interesting tilt last night, beautiful night. And man, you got to tell me, you know, before you show the video, uh, how did you get through that? That looked like an impressive uh, feat of strength right there. Well, with great difficulty. I mean, it was, a, it, it, it was a tag team event, but you know, what's funny about that. And I mean, when I saw that, I assumed that most people get it and they like, you know, put it into four or whatever. Yeah. So we're getting this thing. We're like, Oh, do you guys cut it? No. Oh, can you? Uh, no, sorry. So I had to jimmy a thing, basically do a do a very primitive cut with two forks mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. kind of get it done. Remus had hit his half. I had my other. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, the hot dog itself was awesome. Oh, um, yeah. What I, was, what I was not prepared for was just how much. Like, to have a 
dog that big, there's a lot of bread that goes into it. Yeah. But man, the heaviness of all those pierogies. <laughs> that, that that was that was what really put the top. And I will say this. I did not have a single thing to eat at all in the day before I got there. And I did not have a single thing to eat the rest of the way. It was uh that that half of that picture right there, Ken, was the entire intake for the day. And I still felt it when I got in there. But <laughs> as far as the actual dog goes, very, very good for a large novelty item. Yeah. But I think I'm going to stick to maybe a foot long or I wanted to try that Winkler Farmer Sausage yes. dog that they had yesterday. But needless to say, after after what we bit off to begin with, um, that wasn't going to be the case. And yes, I do sort of wish you were around. It would have been nice to tag in a third member of the team. Well, Hus, get this. I did run into Remo during his search for the knife, and he did not mention it to me. So uh, <laughs> I saw him picking up the forks as I passed him down the aisle, but he didn't mention that there was an eating contest to be had. So uh, I'm a little bit hurt uh, from the CTO, but I, I, I'll do my best to get over it. It wasn't a contest. Gentlemen. Two gentlemen enjoying Remo, a, a nice meal. you just didn't want to share, okay? You just you didn't want to share. It's okay. Everybody knows I love to eat, so it's good. Although it's good. we would have gotten, if we had done that, we would have gotten chewed out big time with the chat because this has been a challenge that has been okay. building challenge up accepted. for a number challenge of weeks. Um, that being said, I wish you were there. A little bit of FOMO. You know I get FOMO once in a while. That was when I saw your photo uh, when I was scrolling at halftime, I definitely was feeling a little bit of FOMO there. But uh, I did uh, personally had uh, tried the pierogi bites uh, for the first time. They were uh, they were quite delicious. I assume that is what is included on the yard dog there. So I, I did get a small sliver of a sample of what you were going through, even though I was not included in the uh, tag. Yeah. And we did split it up. Believe me, we saw all of your lady in the tramp <laughs> tweets, everybody. We knew what we were going on. We did not go with that style to do it. Um, overall, though, <laughs> overall, though, it was a, uh, it was a fun, I mean, another just gorgeous night oh. at, and, and just before we talk about the game, I mean, this was a Thursday night game. I mean, not one of the Friday games. And I think it might be a little more challenging for people to maybe get into town that are outside of the Winnipeg area. Um, 28, five, another great crowd. And I mean, just an awesome atmosphere of a team that has, um, you know, has really worked hard to build up that fan base. And you know, as I said, you know, we've been spoiled as Bomber fans with what this team's done for the last four years or so. And there was a few nervous people in and around halftime, um, but they showed up that they're still that team in the uh, in the second half. And uh, I thought, for my money, the biggest part of the game was that big drive behind Brady Oliveira, establishing the run and taking over the game in the fourth quarter when they needed it. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. Kind of twofold for me. I, I love the pressure the Bombers were able to generate too and the uh, the El sorry, Eskimos. My dad grew up a huge Eskimos fan, so I'm still having a little trouble uh, with the switch over here. But uh, the green and gold Elks uh, put a bit of a scare into the Bombers for sure. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I love the pressure from Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson, Ricky Walker. Uh, that group there did a nice job, nice job in coverage. But you're right. I mean, the O-line was uh, under some significant pressure in the first half. Kolaros didn't have a ton of time uh, to get into the rhythm and flow uh, on the offensive side. But, man, did they ever create a number of holes for Brady Oliveira to absolutely power through in that second half. And it was a us. I mean, we, this was like classic Belichickian drive of vintage Patriots land, right? It was another big uh, minute muncher in terms of moving the chains and battling on the ground and kind of reducing that uh, 
the clock management style of drive uh, that the Bombers put together there. And yeah, it was just impressive. And, you know, the weaponry that they have at their disposal is impressive. And I know you were talking about it with Hammer earlier in the week, Huss. I mean, you see a game like that with that kind of a matchup, an 0-6 team, and like people just expected it to be 30 to nothing at the half, right? So the fact that it was tight, <laughs> people were a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, the kicking game kind of, let, let's just say, slid into 2022 territory uh, for a brief moment. Uh, Castillo's been fantastic, but uh, was this not... This is ex- one kick. Everyone's <laughs> going, oh my God. Well, the we- last, there was one field goal, a couple extra points, a little yeah. bit. It was, it was not uh, vintage Castillo uh, momentary, but uh, how about the punting? Man, like there were some absolute bombs uh, unloaded on the punting side. Um, lots of hang time, lots of distance. And yeah, I mean, it was just an impressive... Second half, and uh, we get it, people. We we get it. The Bombers have lost so little in the last little while, and you know they had a little bit of a hairball that they coughed up in Ottawa the week prior. So uh, everyone thinking that it's going to be a blowout. Elks roll into town, uh, struggling here. Who's the quarterback? Is Chris Jones going to be fired? Is he only staying around because of the cap implications for years to come? I mean, all of those kind of a lot. There there was a lot of outside noise for the visiting team going into the game, and. Bombers tried to just take care of their business. They were a little bit flat in the first half, I think, but uh, I thought that Buck Pierce kind of dialed up some nice play calling, whether it was late in the second quarter and then down the stretch, uh, they certainly got themselves going. But hey, (laughs) Hustis reminds me of the early 2000s, and I can remember talking about this with Doug Brown. Uh, You know, I didn't cover the Bombers often, but that year where they were, I think, 14 and four or whatever it was, and Doug kind of, I remember him kind of, counter countering a question by like what do people expect like 18 and 0 here like it's a hard <laughs> league like it's and, and by the way all the same people that were saying well good job you steamrolled everybody until the great cup last year like what matters happens after labor day Huss. anyone who's covered the cfl or watched the cfl of course that doesn't mean you can ignore the first nine weeks or whatever the number is the real football happens after Labor Day, when the weather gets cold, when you have to get your ground game under control. So even though people think, you know, night's still 26, 28 degrees at night last night, that kind of rumbling towards the end zone and first downs, that's important three months from now when there's snow on the ground and there's games being played, whether they're indoor, outdoor at at investors group, right? I mean, this, this, is, <laughs> this is all part of the building process. And for the Bombers, like, they haven't changed the playbook a whole great deal. So they're going to have to have some wrinkles when it matters. So uh, for some folks who think it's a little bit vanilla at times, and I actually thought that there were quite a few nice uh, like directional plays that they, you know, you got Dembski coming through. You think it might be a, you know, it might go to him. They roll Kolaros rolls out uh, finding someone in the middle. Like there was a lot of, I thought there was a lot of creativity on display and some of those plays will open up other plays for down the road. And, and I think that's sort of what can get lost in the uh, the week-to-week cycle when a team is getting close to the to the midway point and, and just wants to fast forward to November, right, when the games yeah. really matter, right? I mean, that's the that's also part of the issue here. And, uh, Reminds just, me like the 2019 Jets. Well, I there mean, you go. Good, like, I mean, good, everyone good was question. there like, okay, great. You know, let us know when the games mean something in the playoffs. and. Oh, next thing you know, they, uh, you know, have a real rough second half. Next thing you know, you're out in the first round of the playoffs. And I mean, when I look at this team, I mean, you know, we talked about that drive in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was 
basically the exact same thing that happened against Calgary. I mean, right. in the last home game where they exactly. squeezed 937 out of a drive that actually didn't end up in seven. It ended up in three. Just the three. But it, for all intents and purposes, ended the football game. Um, and I think that's big for the offensive line because, Ken, the one area of this club that I think we can't overlook that has had some shaky moments has been the line. It certainly got run over by the BC Lions in that loss earlier this year. They weren't able to run the football at all against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And early on in this football game, there was a lot of green and gold in the backfield chasing Zach Caleros around. And to me, the offensive line was the foundational piece that Kyle Walters started. When he got his job, what did he do? He improved the Canadian talent and he improved the offensive line. And, you know, you win and lose football games on the line of scrimmage. And the Bombers have known that and that's been why they've been so good. So, yes, they've raised themselves to maybe an impossibly high standard, but at the same time, if they want to continue to be that team in the Canadian Football League, they're going to need to uh, be a little bit better for a full 60 minutes all that being said, when you're able to do what they did in the fourth quarter against a team, that's got to be good for a, a unit, an offensive line that has been criticized and a little maligned at times this year, but uh, I think knows they're going to need to be much better for the full 60 in two weeks when BC comes to town. Yeah, no doubt about that, Huss. And, and that's that's such an important part of you know winning in the trenches, right? Both sides of the line, you got to dominate. And I mean, there were some times where the Bombers over-pursued in the running game in the first half too, where Cornelius was running wild, the running back kind of got going, but there were a few times where they brought the heat and then that left a humongous hole and Cornelius went uh, strolling through it. But in terms of the offensive line, what we know about them is this, Huss. I mean, this is a battle-tested group. Uh is there some, you know, is the odometer running a little bit high for some of those guys? For sure. But you know you can count on them when it matters most. And the other thing, too, we, we talk about this. You're getting, people know that you're going to be bringing their best against them every single week. So that's the other thing. So you got challenged. You got punched in the mouth in the first half. And what did they do? They responded accordingly in the second half, got their ground game going, uh, protected the ball a little bit better. And, hey, I mean, the other thing, too, it's not all O-line. I mean, Bat, you know, Prukop bobbles the snap. They had two short third down non-conversions. Uh, yes, there was an interception for Kalaros also. So, Huss, we know about ball protection and how important it is for Mike O'Shea, right? And this is a veteran group. You know, errors are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen, yes. But these are correctable mistakes, and these are the type of things that in the film room, when guys get challenged by their position coaches – they're not, you know, they're not here saying, oh, hey, uh, you know, they don't, they're not going to crumble under the uh, criticism that will be coming in the film room either, Huss. And ultimately, what matters is what happens when, you know, the chips are down. And, you know, I think it was an important response for them. Super interesting, sat on the, uh, on the West side this week. Uh, and I loved, I don't know if you saw it too, but I, I love the exchange between Mike O'Shea and Brian Cole after the unnecessary roughness at the end of that play where he absolutely drilled Cornelius a little bit. I personally love the hit. And that's kind of one of those Hus that in hockey terms, that's one of those penalties your teammates will be happy to kill off for you. But I love the fact that O'Shea was like, you know, the team is up by two touchdowns. You can't take a penalty there that extends the drive, right? So for someone who just enjoys watching the game but never, isn't necessarily as dialed in on it as some other people, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe o O'Shea played the game super hard. He's probably going to be okay with the hit. But I love the fact – and he wasn't yelling at him. He just got in, you know, he got into Mike's 
or into Brian's general vicinity and said, hey, I appreciate the enthusiasm and the physical nature of that play, but that's a play you can't, again, I'm assuming what he said. I don't know yeah. this, and Mike's not going to tell us in the media anyway. You may but, have given him a wake up, Ken. Well, there's it's a possibility for sure. And also, too, there's probably the, 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 in, the linebacker in Mike O'Shea is like, you see the quarterback available to be rocked. You rock the quarterback and, Eyes you, get real and big. you deal with it. Right. So, and to be honest, Huss, I didn't think it was that late. I think it was one of those where it's more the outcome than the actual play yeah. itself. I think as a quarterback, if you leave yourself vulnerable to be hit, you should be open season like everybody else. I'm totally fine with protecting quarterbacks on late hits. I didn't think that was particularly late, nor did I think, it was something that, uh, and again, and it wasn't a tongue lashing. It was just a, hey, you got to be careful here. You extended the drive. You know, it's going to happen once in a while. And again, it translated into absolutely nothing for the Elks. But at the end of the day, if that's, you know, the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup game, I need you to know that you can't afford to take a 15-yard penalty in that situation. So I think in the I think in the coaches meeting, us, Mike is looking at Richie Hall and saying, man, I love that, but we can't have it, right? It's one of those where, you know, it's a classic major league moment from Lou Brown. Nice catch. Don't ever do it again. Right? <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes, right? It's a classic right there. Um, Kenny, we with us um, here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Weaver, let's move over to uh, to the Jets. Um, I was talking about this quickly with Rewiki earlier on. Um, Gabe Lardy, two-year deal. Is this pretty much what you were expecting? I certainly was. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be a bridge. I mean, the numbers, you're always kind of curious where they fall. Is it going to be? I'll admit, assuming it was going to be a two-year deal, it was a little lighter than I thought it would be. I thought it would maybe come closer to four than three and a half. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it this way. I mean, it's it, Velarde has had some injury issues. It was his best season, so for sure he had some leverage. But if you're looking at overall body of work, like, just look at it this way. Nino Niederreiter is a consistent 20 to 25 goal scorer, you know, in his late 20s or maybe 30 now, that's making four mil. So the fact that Velarde at his age comes in at 3.4 or 5 or whatever the number is there, I would say that leaves him in a very good spot. He gets a very hefty raise. And let's not kid ourselves. Gabe Velarde has two great years. That number is going to be rising into the 5 to 6 to, you know, Depending on how high, if he goes from, you know, double that, can you go from 24 to 40? Now you're looking at seven ish or six and a half, seven, depending on uh, the escalation of the salary cap. So for Velarde, he gets a nice, nice raise with the idea of knowing that that number can go up dramatically, given the role and responsibility he's going to be having with the Winnipeg Jets during those two seasons and probably beyond right and the other thing too for people going all crazy well he's just going to leverage his way out of town i mean <laughs> this is how it works for most teams i mean even alex to took a shorter deal house that was for like four years right instead of six or seven so at velarde's age a two-year deal is natural it doesn't mean he's going to go two two one out it means that at the end of this deal the player and the organization are going to know whether he's worth seven million dollars or not or whatever that number is. So it's got nothing to do with Velarde not wanting to commit, but the Jets also have to, it's hard for the Jets to go to 6 million right now in a seven year deal because you need the player to stay healthy. And for the Jets, you need to know if the player is going to be a centerman or a right winger. I mean, and they're not, they may not even know that by the end of the first season here. 
Well, speaking of that, like, let's just uh, let's look ahead. And let's assume for a minute that there are no other changes. Obviously, everything is subject to change, in particular Mark Shifley's situation. But if Shifley's back, where do you think Velarde starts the season? Yeah, that's a great or question. Or where would you like to see him start the season? What do you think makes the most sense? I think that right now you're going to see some type of rotation in that 2C spot with Velarde, whether it's Nemestikov or, I mean, it's possible that Perfetti gets a couple looks at the center spot as well, Huss, right? So I'm here to tell you the crystal ball is still a little bit cloudy, but we're going to see all of those options explored coming up here. And that's not to say that the Jets, you know, depending on what happens with Shifley, you know, if Shifley is moved in a deal for a bigger right shot defenseman, well, then you're going to see two out of the three of Nemesnikov, Filardi, and Perfetti holding down those one and two center spots. But for right now, there's only one open. So who does it make the most sense to be in that type of a situation? So you got Velarde is a big body, right? 6'3", 215. You'd like to have that kind of size down the middle playing center if you can. We know Velarde is comfortable there. He's also comfortable on the wing. Uh, I think I think it creates some interesting opportunities. I think that he will get the first chance to be the second line center, but that depends on how the Jets feel about Perfetti. If the Jets feel that Perfetti can handle the defensive role down low, and if they think he won't be subject to as many you know, big time hits that he has been on the receiving end of in the last two seasons. Well, then Perfetti might get the first look. But I also could see a situation, Huss, where you play Perfetti and Velarde together, kind of similarly to what we saw with Dubois and Shifley, you know, not the same circumstances, but if you have two guys that have played the center position, it's easier to get into a switch out situation in terms of the third guy high in the offensive zone taking the center responsibilities initially, right? So that would be something that's a possibility. And then the other thing too, is when it comes to, we've talked about this for years. And as you know, I'm quite comfortable with Adam Lowry in a third line center role. And I think that uh, the improvement in his winger situation this year will help maybe lead to a little bit more consistent season where there's plenty of offensive production. But if the jets are looking for more balance in their top nine, I could easily see a scenario where Vlad Nemesnikov is playing in the top six with Nikolai Ehlers because of what he was able to show in that small sample size in terms of creating some chemistry there. So uh, all to say the Jets will have a lot of options at their disposal, and a lot of them are good options. And the other thing too, Hus, Rasmus Kapari is a guy from some of the scouts that I've talked to. They think he could also play center in a top nine role at some point. Uh, there too, does that mean he starts as the fourth line center? Could he start on the right wing with Adam Lowry? Of course he could. There, like, there's lots of options. Uh, the Jets are going to be, you know, 13, 14 deep. Uh, probably, you know, is it the first time since the 2017, 18 season? I'm not 100% sure if that, I mean, it's the deepest they've been since that time for sure. And how the things play out is going to be dependent on how some of those players play, including a Morgan Barron Huss. I mean, Morgan Barron's a guy who's played some center. I don't expect him to play center, but he would be a guy that they would have as an option. Uh, if you're if you're juggling around and Kapari is playing with Lowry and I follow, then maybe Morgan Barron is the fourth line center. Uh, you know, obviously David Gustafson would be in that mix as well. But um, I don't have a great answer. Uh, it also also depends with how these guys mesh with one another. Huss, I think I, I like I like Niederreiter with Perfetti because it gives you that kind of banger and crasher and a guy that can do a lot of the work down low. And you also have a great finisher. 
Like Niederreiter is a great finisher on that line. Velarde is also a great finisher. So could I see Velarde playing uh, with Perfetti and Niederreiter? Of course I could. You have, and even Perfetti, I've, I've said this to you plenty, Huss. I mean, the one thing about watching Cole Perfetti, even at the time when he was with the Manitoba Moose, yes, he is a playmaker first, a pass first player, but I think the Perfetti has got a sneaky good shot and really quick release. Now, again, I'm not putting it on the Mark Shifley level quite yet, how when we talked about Shifley coming onto the scene that he had that sackic tight release. But I do think that Perfetti is a better finisher than maybe some people will give him credit for. So those three guys I could see meshing really well together, but then that would also be dependent on, you know, Ehlers playing, you know, maybe now Ehlers is playing with Shifley and Nemestikov is playing down in the order. But uh, it's interesting to see. I'm also fascinated to see how, you know, if Ehlers and Connor play together, if Ehlers and Shifley play together, if the Jets will make a concerted effort to not have Connor and Shifley together as often, knowing some of the defensive uh, issues that have crept up for that duo. But it also has the ability, I mean, we know that last year Rick Bonus started in training camp with Connor, Shifley, and Nikolai Ehlers. So would it make sense if he would want to go back to that trio at some point? I mean, they played a whole whopping grand total of you know, one and three quarter games together last year. Uh, they might've had a few looks down the stretch, but I mean, if that was your intention last year, I mean, would you be surprised if they were tempted to try it again? I mean, I wouldn't well, be surprised that because I, I mean, the more I think about this roster and this is with or without Shifley on this club, I tend to believe that it'll be a more balanced group. I yep. think the fourth line will be playing more than it has in the past, and that might need to eat. That might eat into some minutes for the number one line, who've all, who's always been blessed with basically go out there as much as you want, as often <laughs> as you want. Um, and, 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 and to be honest, especially when we're talking about Connor and Mark Shifley, uh, I, I'm not sure whether Rick Bonus wants to have your lines two, three, and four, all being like, you know, kind of following the plan of being really good, you know, two-way players and playing focused to defense and then having one line that's just out there and going to try and outscore all of their problems. I mean, could I see it happen for sure? But I, I don't know. I mean, you know Rick Bonus quite well. I mean, do you think that would be something that he would do or might he look to try to say, regardless of who's in the lineup, he's talking wants to win hockey games right now and maybe – distribute that a little bit more and play them a little bit more evenly and obviously load up on the power play when you have the man advantage. Yeah. I mean, I could see him preferring to have some insulation for all those players, Huss, but I mean, also too, if you're looking at, you know, you can get, it will sound ridiculous. So those guys have been first line players for a long, well, Connor and, and Shifley have been for sure. And Ehlers should be, but I mean, if you're looking at the home matchups, you can provide insulation by playing those guys against in safer minutes against second and third line play, uh, second and third line players who aren't as potent offensively. So uh, we know what the gifts are compared to some of the you know areas that could use improvement. So I mean, do, do I think it's likely? No, but I mean, you have to leave the possibility open because if he was interested in it last year. I mean, of course, he may be interested this year. And I mean, they have had some high octane offensive moments, but, you know, I think it's unlikely that they would play together, Huss. But I mean, you have to leave open the possibility just because that's how we looked at it last year. And they didn't really get a long run out of it. I mean, they got almost no run out of it, uh, out of the start of the starting gate anyway. And then in the second half, there was a lot of things happening and uh, things kind of went a little bit sideways. So I, I don't know that you can, even if the minutes they were together last year, 
you have Ehlers trying to play catch up and you have two other guys, you know, and it, Kyle Connor, his production was down last year. Like it's it, Kyle Connor's a different player at 47 goals than he is at 32 Huss, right? So his confidence is different. Uh, you're playing, you know, the, your board battles and board play and, and all of those things when you're scoring early, uh, like these guys were confident coming out of Banff last year, Huss. I remember each of the three players were coming out saying, you know, and the conversation was topical because the previous year, you know, Kachuk Lindholm um, and Gaudreau were one of the best lines in hockey. So, I mean, these guys are coming out of Banff thinking, yeah, we want to be one of the best lines in hockey. Now, they didn't get a long runway to do that. And as you mentioned, I mean, when they were together, that wasn't exactly dominating the opposition uh, when it came to the overall body of work. But uh, I, I could see them playing together, but I also think it's just as likely. I know some people are, you know, not on board with Nemesnikov playing with Ehlers, but it, it's just look at Pittsburgh. I mean, if you're looking on paper, you're not thinking Nick Benino and Phil Kessel are going to be a great combination. But, well, it was a great combination when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, right? When that was the third, that was, and Haglin was with them. I mean, Haglin's not, never been known. I mean, he's known as a burner, but he wasn't a 30-plus goal scorer. Sometimes the pieces just mick that fit together. It doesn't mean you put your most three skilled players together. That's not always the best line. And there too, if you have Connor and Shifley together, I know it hasn't worked great in the past in various forms, but what if you have Niederreiter there where you have a little bit more of a responsible player? And yes, we know that what happened in Carolina, but I mean, that's one game, right? So if you have a lot of, if you have a guy like Niederreiter that does a lot of the dirty work, well, maybe that line could work also, you know, and that's the thing with Niederreiter. You can play him with anybody and you're probably going to improve the line to a degree because of the way he gets his nose dirty and gets to the blue paint and can also score off the rush with a good shot. So uh, I think, you know, it sounds ridiculous. It's July 21st. Huss, like, I can't wait for training camp this year. Like, this is the first first year in a long time where you're going to get to training camp. And, you know, although you can't, you know, can't wait for the six preseason games to be over by the time you're four days in, but what are the combinations going to look like? Who is going to be at center? I mean, what's the attitude like? I mean, this is similar. We know what happened a couple of years ago with Line, right? Came in, great attitude, even though in the summer there was so much uncertainty over whether his future was going to be. Now, with the Jets, is it similar to that year? Of course. I mean, there's there's a big question mark over what's happening with Mark Shifley, what's happening with Connor Hellebuck. We know the Jets are going to make a, you know, if they haven't already, and we, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if they have, uh, we're, we know they're going to make a big offer to Connor Hellebuck. Is that going to be enough to keep him? That that we don't know. Only Connor Hellebuck and his camp know for sure. Uh, only Connor Hellebuck and his camp know for sure if they want to wait, if they want to get it sorted out before training camp, during training camp, during the season, wait uh, or not wait. I mean, but that brings in some other variables in terms of his own future. I mean, where's Morgan Barron going to fit us? I mean, that's a great contract for him. I would expect Kapari is going to be somewhere in that similar range on a two-year bridge deal. Uh, is it a little more? Is it a little less? I mean, who knows? But it's going to be around that level. And that's the thing, Huss. There's there's genuine competition and not just for first-line minutes now, right? There's genuine competition for the 2C job. There may even be an open competition for the 1C job, depending on what happens. I mean, you have Lauren Brassois who wants to push Connor Hellebuck. Um, you have defense. You have nine or 10 guys who think they're in the mix as of right now. So, I mean, that's, to me, it's almost, we've almost kind of fast forwarded to the next shoot a drop is going to be on defense. Um, But otherwise we know there's going to be genuine competition. You know, if you're on the fourth line, you're going to want to be on the third line. If you're on the third line, you want to be on the second line. So 
it, it's not as there's a lot of pencil right now. There's not a lot of permanent marker in terms of who's where on the depth chart. And that's a good problem for Rick Bonus to have. And it also means that they're in a situation where they're going to need some of these internal guys to step up and provide more production, more complementary scoring, and in some forms, more primary scoring. I mean, whether that's Ehlers staying healthy or Perfetti staying healthy, and then never mind, you're going to have guys, I know you've been talking prospects with Marat and some of the other guys. I mean, you're also going to have other guys down with the moose that feel and believe they are pushing for work sooner than later also. And to me, that's a good thing for the Jets. Us. That means uh, if you get too complacent, you're going to find yourself either with limited minutes or potentially out of work or on the move. Kenny, great stuff, man. Um, are, are you playing? Uh, is Does the tour continue this weekend? <laughs> uh, how many tee times are made? Yeah, it's been a good week so far. Uh, started off with a fun day at Pine Ridge. I uh, got over to Glendale for the Bomber Alumni Tournament and uh, just an absolutely before the Bomber game, spectacular day at uh, at Falcon Lake yesterday. Ooh, nice. uh, course was mint, uh, really fun. We'll be playing Southwood in the morning tomorrow and uh, Sunday currently TBD, but uh, there's certainly a possibility. It's been a, a remarkable stretch here. Uh, but yeah, just a gorgeous day yesterday and uh, following up on the Alberta slash BC road trip uh, really had a great stretch. And uh, the fourth picture was uh, the four approaches were all in a row there, Remo, for the uh, for all the folks who uh, didn't know why I was posting the shot of the green there. So it was quite a funny, uh, funny attack. Uh, oh, I was, I was, I was, I was the second, cl- again. <laughs> I was the second closest on that, but uh, yeah, well, super. Uh, the courses are looking awesome in Manitoba. We've been lucky. I mean, I, I think some folks down on the rain uh, this week, but I think some of the courses needed a little bit of water and uh, man, it's just been an awesome stretch and Huss, I enjoyed getting out together with you and we got to uh, try to do that again. Uh, next week, uh, playing Pinawa Monday, and then uh, we'll be off to Nashville for a little uh, little vacation here coming up. So, oh, and also, nice. uh, yeah, big uh, big night in the Manitoba Junior Baseball League here tonight. Hus the uh, the mighty Bison's uh, forced a game five uh, with the big extra innings uh, victory yesterday. Uh, uh, so we'll see what happens there. We know the Giants have been uh, a very dominant team uh, on the junior MJBL front for a long time, and I think that game will be at Kosky Field this evening. So uh, the local lads uh, getting it after it pretty well, and yeah, it should be uh, should be a fun tilt on that front. We know the Gold Eyes are rolling. I know you got Andrew, uh, I think coming up. Or did you have him on already? Or yeah, is he coming he's, up? he's coming up in a few minutes. Yeah, there you go. And uh, beautiful, Play, if you're, uh, beautiful if time you have for an baseball. Early tea time, if you have an early tea time, uh, you should uh, join us. I'll, uh, if you're uh, if you're available on Wednesday night, we've got a big, big crew going out to the game. And uh, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a perfect day to have a few. So our people will be in touch with your people, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Have a great weekend, dude. Thanks for the time, you as always. You too, Us. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be talking to you, I think, live from Nashville next week. So it should nice, be a fun, nice. uh, fun little roadie. So, uh <laughs> Thanks for having me. Cheers. Love it. Love it. There's Ken Weave at Weave's World. And of course, all of his work you can find on sportsnet.ca. Matt, I got a great chance to see some friends from Princess Auto last night. A bunch of their team members out for the game. They're looking forward to a uh, big night. I believe August 24th is the Princess Auto night. But frankly, I mean, every game is Princess Auto. Tailgate party at the Bomber game. Do it again on August 3rd, two hours before each game. Great deals on pop, hot dogs, beers, entertainment beforehand. It is the place to be. And, of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list 
or start something new at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, I know a lot of you were working outside these days, working on your property. Uh, maybe you've got some irrigation issues that you need to take care of. Well, if you do, you need to talk to the leaders in irrigation systems over consolidated supply. They've been doing it for years in the golf industry. Why not let Joe and his team help you out with your property? Um, they've also got great artificial turf options. Maybe you want to work on the putting throughout the summer, put something up in the backyard. They can help you with that as well. And of course, new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Other great options for your property, hot tubs, amazing outdoor kitchens, and they are the experts in small engine parts and repair. Get on down to Consolidated Supply and see everything they've got offering for you at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, yes, I, I see you in the chat shaming me, saying that you, some people thought this was a Philadelphia Flyers jersey. Give me a break. First of all, the World Cup is on for women. This is a Canada jersey. We tied Nigeria last night 0-0. Not a great result, but big game coming up against Ireland. And the new jerseys are finally out. The men's team did not get new jerseys. And again, we won't get into a big talk about who's been running the show here for Canada soccer lately. What you need to know, though, is if you want to get behind our team and check out all the amazing Canada soccer gear, it is all at Royal Sports, including the launch of the new jerseys just in time for the Women's World Cup. Uh, while you're there... Tons of new Jets gear, great selection of bomber gear, and of course, soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, bikes, and more. It's all at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. And hey, we've got some great CFL games coming up this week. Obviously, British Open as well, and a bye week for the Bombers. But when you're heading out, whether it's watching the Jays in Seattle this weekend, CFL games, no better place to do it than your local Boston pizza, ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. And the latest from the BP feature menu. And hey, if you're staying at home, you can always order online and get the great taste of BP right to your door by ordering at bostonpizza.com. All right. Middle of July, training camps opening in the National Football League. It's about time to get Hacksaw back in on a Friday afternoon. The NFL Notebook is back, and so is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Saw, what is up, my man? How, uh, how's your summer been? Uh, excited with the opening of NFL camps. Uh, two items before we start peeking into the NFL Notebook. That does look like a Flyers jersey. And by the way, I came out of the chair last night, nearly wrenched my neck on that Canadian goalkeeper point-blank kick save that preserved the 0-0 tie. Holy cow. And obviously we're all excited down here because of uh, Team USA playing Vietnam tonight in the start of the World Cup. So, yeah, and we got the British Open where you're not only fighting the guys at the leaderboard, you're fighting the weather, you're fighting the course. It's just fabulous. And all that coming off an unbelievable finish to Wimbledon. So, yeah, a lot of stuff hey, going on. Hey, just how hot has it been down where you're at? I mean, every time I turn the TV on, I'm looking at some weather report of like uh, basically near hell-like conditions in the south of the United States. Have you been getting that or are you kind of spared because of your proximity to the ocean? Uh, I'm not near the ocean. And I chuckled when you started talking during your ad segment about doing lawn work. Yeah, maybe there, but not here. 
It is so bleep and hot in Southern California. Now, it's not Phoenix, where I lived for seven years. I mean, Phoenix got 119 degrees yesterday. It's surely not Las Vegas, where I don't think anybody's ice in the rink would be solid right now. Uh, it's been it's really been brutal down here, and obviously it's it, it's climate change. Every everything is different in our society right now because of global weather, and that that includes what's happened to you guys back in the spring, and what you know has continued to flash across the provinces, and what happened in Nova Scotia and throughout Quebec uh, with all the fires. It's it's just a different era we live in. No, it certainly is. Um, Lee, let's get to the NFL, and before we talk about training camps. Uh, if you know anyone that has been a fan of uh, the Washington NFL team, whatever they've been called, the commanders, the football team, um, chances are they've been waiting for yesterday and a change of ownership, um, a historic sale and historic discipline on the way out for Dan Snyder. Um, tell us about it and how it all came together and how big is this for the franchise and, frankly, the league and the other owners to not have to deal with Dan Snyder anymore? Uh, I guess the only word that came to mind last night uh, when when the sale was approved and within a half hour, the NFL issued the 22-page Mary Jo White report with the announcement of the $60 million fine against Daniel Snyder for a whole series of things that transpired in the last calendar year or so as it relates to the league investigation, the only word that crossed my mind was despicable. And and this is a terrible thing to say, but this guy's reputation is this side of despicable from the former president in Washington, D.C., Trump. This is unbelievable. And the fact that he did so many things, he broke so many bylaws, he threatened people, it's just beyond belief that anybody would think they could act that way and get away despite whatever richness he has. You know, but the $60 million fine is phenomenal. They've not been able to uncover every facet in the 17-month Mary Jo White investigation. They did confirm that, that he kept $11 million himself that was supposed to be shared as part of the revenue-sharing bylaws with the NFL. The bigger issue is there's $44 million that's missing that they can't account for. On top of that, you obviously got the lawsuit, the sexual misconduct lawsuit follow, filed by one of his lead employees. You got his senior vice president who just filed a suit this week against uh, Snyder for witness intimidation and uh, defamation of character. Uh, you got the fact that the NFL openly admitted, Hustler, that Snyder refused to meet with Mary Jo White. He had the congressional hearing where he fought them for more than two months and then finally showed up and talked for only one hour. Uh, I mean, the guy's conduct is despicable. It's a despicable person. Good luck to him. He's moved to London, England, but he's left behind a lot of wreckage. Now, Josh Harris uh, coming in the front door as the new owner, you know, owns the New Jersey Devils of the NHL and uh, obviously the 76ers in the NBA. He's got a really good business reputation. So it's a new era. But, boy, if you go back and look, at 24 years, he won two playoff games in 24 years. He took at one time was the biggest draw in the NFL hustler. They were 30th in attendance this past season in Washington. The fans have obviously turned their back. Product has not been very good. His litany of firings of successful coaches is just its beyond belief. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer, Norv Turner, uh, you know, Snyder axed uh, Joe Gibbs, uh, Steve Spurrier. 
Uh, just, just absolutely stunning. So the league is rid of him. I don't know that we've heard the end of all the legal issues because I still think there's more stuff out there. It's going to wind up with lawsuits from people and employees against Snyder, not necessarily against the NFL, against Washington. That's a long answer, but I'll tell you his litany of, of stuff that he did over a 24-year period, word of the day, despicable. Yeah, uh, and, and listen, I mean, that was a contentious relationship for a long time. Um, you know, we think of uh, there's a lot of hate in football, you know, the Cowboys and the Eagles, uh, you know, all these uh, your Raiders and the Chiefs. Um, let me introduce John Gruden and Roger Goodell as the uh, maybe the uh, the one with the most beef between. Um, where is this at right now with this lawsuit, and what are we learning about the backstory between John Good, uh, John Gruden and the NFL commissioner. At the end of the day, somebody leaked the emails that John Gruden wrote. He is suing everybody. He's suing Goodell. He's suing the league. I think Snyder is going to be dragged into this lawsuit. Uh, the burning questions to me, and we talk about despicable, uh, Gruden wrote these emails to Bruce Allen, who then the president of the Washington Redskins, Washington Commanders. Gruden wrote the emails when he was an ESPN employee. He had not gotten back into coaching yet. And then obviously this stuff surfaced uh, in the middle of the investigation about Daniel Snyder's toxic workplace culture situation there. At the end of the day, uh, the emails became public and then somebody leaked them. Was it Goodell in response for Gruden's condemnation of the commissioner? Was it Snyder to try to win favor with Goodell in the midst of this buyout and this potential discipline? Or was it Demora Smith, the outgoing union chief, who was racially slurred by John Gruden? We don't know. Somebody made Gruden a financial offer to settle this thing out of court, and his comment to the athletic burned the NFL down. So he's not, he's never gonna coach again, and he is he's gonna get his pound of flesh from somebody. But here's the thing that to me really bothers me, and I've known John and dealt with John, and John was a great personality, and John, I think, was a good X and O's coach and was a real hard ass. But, you know, he wrote that junk. There's about seven emails that are really bad. It was in his heart, and that's what bothers me, that he can't say it was taken out of context. He can't say, ah, somebody leaked it. It was in his heart, hustler, and he wrote it. So, I mean, that, he has to wear that stain for probably the rest of his life. But this... This case is far from over. Somebody leaked it. We'll find out going forward who did because this sucker is going to court. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, I mean, it seems we could always talk about the courtroom and lawsuits around the National Football League, but football is just around the corner. Just before we go, Lee, uh, what are the big training camp stories and headlines that you've been focusing on as uh, things get going around the league? Frosty relationship. That's a byword in New England. I'm not sure that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick are on the same page anymore. There's a little sniper fire of conversation if you read between the lines. It's crazy. Kraft, Kraft wants to win. And then Belichick is dropping hints the owner would not spend money in free agency. And then Kraft said they gave him all the money, and this is Belichick's decision who to award it to and not award it to. And Belichick's he's got a tacky, tacky reputation about dealing with veteran free agents, getting them on the cheap, and his drafts have been suspect. And now – Things are changing because he's got Bill O'Brien coming in the front door as offensive coordinator to try to fix the quarterback, Mac Jones. Uh, he has drafted really well defensively, but I still think they're woefully short of skilled people. So that, that's the most unique storyline. Storyline out here on the West Coast is, is the Rams 
changing of the guard. My goodness, in two years span, virtually everybody that was on that Super Bowl team is gone. It's Matthew Stafford, it's Aaron Donald, and it's Cooper Cup, and the rest of the people have to name wear, uh, name, wear name tags. And Andrew, uh, they, they've had 14 veteran starters leave in the last year and a half. Uh, they drafted 14 players. They signed 24 undrafted free agents. They have huge salary cap problems because of what they're paying the quarterback, what they're paying the defensive tackle. Uh, and if Sean McVay didn't like 5-12 and 12 last year, I wonder how 4-13 and 13 is going to taste this year because they just have holes everywhere in their roster. So that's fascinating to see. And I think the other storyline is we're still waiting for the quarterback contract extensions in Cincinnati to Joe Burrow. That's going to be $50 million. And in L.A. with the Chargers and Justin Herbert, that's got to be probably close to $50 million. So th those are the next couple of things that are going to happen. And we're kind of keeping a pulse on what's going on with the Chargers here because it used to be in San Diego and I was the voice of the Chargers. So we still cover them. They have horrible cap problems next year at this point, And they have not signed Justin Herbert to the extension at this point. They're going to be $63 million over the cap next season. So they better win with a huge offense, and they've loaded the gun to go after your Kansas City Chiefs. They better win this year because the team they're going to have a year from today is going to be drastically different because they're going to have to chop heads off and cut bodies because they have such a bad cap situation. And they had not even signed the kid quarterback to the $50 million extension yet. So those are just tip of the iceberg storylines going forward as we kind of kick off our NFL notebook. No doubt about it. Well, listen, Lee, it's great to see that you're uh, back to the grind, doing it like nobody else can. We'll keep on checking out LeeHacksawHamilton.com on a daily basis, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, talk to you next Friday as we get closer and closer to the Hall of Fame game, preseason action, and then the return of the National Football League. Have an awesome weekend, my friend. It's great to talk to you again. Nice to be back in the middle of all this. We'll chat with you next Friday. Thanks, Hustler. Have a good day. And by the way, that is a Flyers jersey. I'm sorry. It is. This is Team Canada. It's red. All I you guys know. are blind. It's, don't get yeah, sucked in. <laughs> don't get sucked in by these guys in the chat with their crazy takes, Lee. Come on. This is red. Check Canada, my website. World Cup. Check my podcast. Good to talk to you, Hustler. <laughs> Go back to work. You're the best. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. You can also follow him at Hacksaw1090, but uh, definitely YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribing and getting Lee's content. Nobody does it better. All right. Um, you know, speaking of that, just want to fire out a, a, a preseason why not question of the day for all of you. Um, and listen, you know where I come in on this, but uh, who? this is your chance to put it in ink right now. We've got a week off for the Bombers. Maybe look ahead a little bit more to NFL season next week. Who? Uh, who's your pick for next year's Super Bowl? Hit us up in the chat for what for our why not question of the day for not autocorp overly waverly and mcgillivray and actually speaking of not autocorp let's get to our breezy bend golf report um and listen we could talk about the open sort of did already it's brian Harmon and then everybody else he went six under 65 today round of the tournament and he's at 10 under par with a five shot lead for tommy fleetwood Six over Sepp Straka and seven over Min Woo Lee, Jason Day, and Sepankar Sharma. Now, but the reason why I bring up Not Autocorp is it, of course, is the Not Autocorp Men's Amateur, one of the biggest tournaments in the year. 
And uh, round two is going on right now. And the defending champion, Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend, is at the top of the list, tied with Bailey Bjornsson from Northview. They are both at six under par. Bjornsson's four under through the front nine so far today. Um, Todd Fanning, the fan man, the veteran, the Wiley veteran, just one shot back at five under along with Chris Coop. And Ryan McMillan from Elmhurst, also one shot back at five under. This should be a heck of a finish at the Not Autocorp Provincial Men's Amateur. Of course, I know the gang at Breezy's hoping for a repeat for Braxton Kuntz. If you want more information on uh, maybe getting on that waiting list for 2024 for Breezy Bend, go to breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call for uh, the latest uh, just over the, at the clubhouse. We'll you on any information on and uh, maybe we'll see you running at one of Manitoba's best private tracks, Breezy Bend, coming up next year. And hey, with the weekend here, folks, it's time for a few little brown jugs. I saw the little brown jug crew at the game last night. Of course, you can get 1919s at the uh, Bomber Games now. You can also get 1919, our summer favorite generic lager at the Gold Eyes Games. And uh, we are hoping to see all of you out for that game next Wednesday. And I'm just looking at the forecast. We're going to need a few. It's going to be sunny, hot, gorgeous, perfect for a few little brown jugs. Pop by the patio on the weekend, though. What's golden on Saturdays? Great food and beer all day long. Entertainment as well. And, of course, you can pick up all your favorite Little Brown Jugs at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue or at your favorite local beer store. Now, speaking of that Gold Eyes game, next Wednesday is the date. WinnipegSportsTalk.com to get your tickets. This is sort of a last call show because everyone's going to have them in their hands by Monday. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that, as well as the Ballpark Beer Fest and more coming out the ballpark right now with Andrew Collier. Pay attention to the chat to enter for the Marble Race, which will be coming up after we head out to the ballpark. And Andrew Collier, what's going on, AC? How are you? I am good. How are you, Huss? Uh, I'm fired up for next Wednesday, I'll tell you that much. Um, actually, before we get into uh, Beer Fest tomorrow at the ballpark, uh, we should mention, gang, this is uh, your official last call. If you want uh, to join us and over 70 other Winnipeg sports talkers, get on over to Winnipeg Sports Talk right now and uh, get your tickets. We'll be emailing them out by Monday to everybody and then uh, going to have a great time on Wednesday night. Uh, Andrew, we're really looking forward to this. We've had an amazing response so far. Obviously, still room for more people, but uh should be a pretty fun Wednesday night with the WST crew. We're looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Yeah, what a great response. What a great idea. I'm glad, glad you're doing it. I look forward to meeting... Uh, a lot of your listeners on that night I, I watch the show and i see all the comments so it'll be interesting to to uh put a face to the the handle that they use yeah it is going to be fun 15 bucks all in uh while supplies last we've got wst koozies for everyone we'll have a couple prizes to give away courtesy of our friends at the gold eyes so winnipegsportstalk.com get on that link and count yourselves in along with tons of other WST years, and we look forward to seeing you all on Wednesday night for which should be a great night at the ballpark. Um, before the team comes back from this road trip, we've got a big event tomorrow afternoon, uh, the Ballpark Brew Fest. Andrew, I know you guys have been working hard on this. Uh, 
What's the buzz around the uh, stadium the day before everyone comes and uh, enjoys plenty of great beers from uh, around Manitoba? Well, there's been a lot of bagging of ice. All the brewers need a lot of ice. So that has been my job the last two days is uh, getting garbage bags full of ice. So when they arrive, they load in tomorrow morning. They're all iced up and get up on the concourse, set up for 1 o'clock. Doors, doors open at 1 o'clock. Goes until 5 o'clock. There's still lots of tickets available, $60 plus, plus fees. Gets you four hours of sampling. Gets you a hot dog, hamburger, or a piece of pizza. It's... Uh, it's going to be awesome. 24 Manitoba Brewers plus two live bands playing throughout the day. Uh, and we're now into year two of um, what was a big move by you guys to go to an all-local beer lineup. And I think in a lot of ways, this is just sort of a natural progression for um, – and, and I, I imagine a lot of this goes back to the incredible feedback you had right off the bat last season um, featuring exclusively all the great beer from our province. Yeah, there's so much great beer in, in the province. So last year was the first year we went exclusively Manitoba beer at the ballpark. And the feedback from the brewers was, hey, why not do a, a brew fest that's exclusively Manitoba brewers? And the first annual went so well. We had 19 brewers. This year we have 24. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. Bottom line, folks, come thirsty uh, get dropped off or use transit. There'll be plenty of Ubers to take you home or wherever you go to after a four-hour stint enjoying all of the best beers our province has to offer. And uh, as I said, last year's was amazing. If you don't have plans on Saturday, get your tickets. And um, again, you can go to goldeyes.com for more information on that. Uh, we're getting into a real fun time of the uh, of the schedule, though. And obviously... We wanted to pick a good day where we could kind of focus on uh, our crew with Winnipeg Sports Talk on Wednesday. But, um, Andrew, I'm just looking at the promo schedule for next week. If people have been waiting to get to a game and maybe they're not able to join us on Wednesday, a ton of great options next week beginning with, I imagine it will be a pretty special night for a lot of people in the community, the Ukrainian night on Tuesday. Yeah, I can't remember which annual number this is, but we've been doing this for a number of years. And anybody who's ever seen Hoosley at the Bomber game, Jets game, Gold Eyes game. The best. It's it's an experience in itself. It's worth the price of admission just to come for the anthem. They're so good. They're so powerful. They're going to sing the Ukrainian national anthem, the Canadian and the U.S. anthems. Uh, Trianda Ukrainian dance ensemble is going to be here doing a couple performances between innings. It, uh, it's always a great night, and it, it's great to support that community. Uh, of course, Wednesday's WST night, WinnipegSportsTalk.com for tickets on that. And then uh, Country Night, get the, uh, get the cowboy hat out and um, come out on Thursday night, which kicks off uh, one of the busiest weekends of the year, promo-wise, for the fish. Yeah, Country Night on the 27th. We have Tom Petrick, uh, local country singer, um, singing the anthem. That's going to be a lot of fun. Four Season Sales is the sponsor that night. We're going to have some RVs out here, so if you want to check that out before the game. Um, yeah, and then Friday night, the 28th, Oktoberfest in July, sponsored by our good friends in Manitoba Pork. Uh, giving out 1,000 uh, plastic beer mugs to the first 1,000 that come through the gates. Uh, German club band playing on the entertainment stage out front. Be some German pavilion 
dancers between innings. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Can you fill your souvenir beer mug at Craft Beer Corner? Uh, that's a great question. I I don't think so. There's a special waiting to happen for you, Andrew. I won't even charge you for that incredible million-dollar idea. Well, put it this way. I have a feeling that people will find their way to Craft Beer Corner either way, whether they're one of the first uh, 1,000. And then, obviously, the Sunday games are great family day games. Um, a jigsaw puzzle giveaway on library afternoon for uh, for the families. Yeah, that's a really neat product. We got 1,000 of those uh, for Sunday, great family day. We got the bouncer out front. Um, yeah, our Sunday games have been a lot of fun. Something that we started last year was Save on Foods has a fruit cart. And they hand out apples and oranges. No, sorry. Apples and bananas to whoever wants them. It's just free. So bring your kids and, and give them something a little healthy to eat between the uh, Grand Slam witch and the uh, beer bat full of slushy. <laughs> you got it. Um, so anyways, folks, huge week at the ballpark coming up next week. Again, it's last call for tickets for Winnipeg Sports Talk night. 15 bucks all in. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com and uh, order those. If you're interested in spending an afternoon with your friends drinking Manitoba's best beer, the ballpark beer fest is tomorrow, Saturday afternoon from 1 till 5. And then a full homestand with tons of great promos beginning on Tuesday. And we hope we'll see you all there on Wednesday. We'll certainly see you there on Wednesday, Andrew. Thanks for doing this. Have a great weekend. I know it's going to be a busy one for you. And uh, we'll catch you next week. For sure. And I'll make sure that Craft Beer Corner is well stocked for Wednesday night and, and tell them to be prepared. All right, good stuff. Cannot wait to see you all at the ballpark next Wednesday. Again, last call for tickets. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com and get yours there. Um, big week again coming up the track next week at Assiniboia Downs. Live racing on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And uh, tell you what, I'm going to be uh, making a trip out to the track next week, getting breezy next week, the ballpark next week, and the weather is going to be absolutely awesome. But uh, if you do want to make plans in the dining room, hit them up at 885-3330 for reservations. Again, post time 7.30 p.m. coming up over the course of the uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Let's quickly hit the cool bet lines. Again, we'll uh, give a little last call for marbles here, folks. Um, Jays in Seattle to take on the Mariners. My guy Kikuchi on the mound. Hasn't been great his last three starts. A bit of a homecoming start for him. I like the Jays. Even money. Plus 100 tonight to get the first one in the in the uh, Jays Mariners series. Full slate of games though as well. CFL Argos Ticats tonight. This was seven and a half earlier. It's now ten for Toronto. It's a huge number, but obviously quarterback questions in Hamilton with Bo Levi Mitchell and Schiltz out. They signed Pipkin this week, and Argos have looked phenomenal so far this season with Chad Kelly leading the way. So Argos minus 10, total is 50. The BC Lions are now 10-point favorites as well over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Big, big spreads this week. Uh, 45 and a half is the number in BC, Saskatchewan. And Ottawa and Calgary go at it in the Sunday finale. Calgary now up to five-point favorites against Crum and the Red Blacks after that thrilling comeback at our expense last Saturday. Um, of course, you got some UFC, you got Women's World Cup games, USA, Vietnam tonight, USA, 
six goal favorites. <laughs> Uh, as far as the, uh, you can get them at plus 135 to win by seven, though, if you'd like. Zambia, Japan, England, Haiti, Denmark, and China. The other games coming up over the course of the, uh, you know, next 24 hours. If you haven't already played a cool bet, get on over and uh, use the promo code WST. Uh, for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And check out Cool Bet a little later on for updated live lines on the British Open, albeit we got Brian Harmon running away with it right now. Um, all right, let's get Michael Remus in here. And uh, Remo, we do have a couple things to do, but um, why don't we solidify what we're doing for marbles and then we'll uh, let people see the behind-the-scenes mayhem of the yard dog last night and then finish it off with the race. Got a couple people that we need to add in for sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, let's add these well, in. Morgan Barron, he joined us earlier this yeah. week. Um, I think Gabe Velarde's got a new contract. We're going to sure. give Velarde a marble. Um, I think we do a welcome back uh, one for Kenny Lawler. Sure. Uh, Simon Hildebrandt joined us earlier in the week. Simon, absolutely. Yeah, tough one for the Sea Bears. They got smoked last mm -hmm. night. Um, against Calgary, who they just smoked themselves here. I guess home court's big in the CEBL. Uh, and there's a lot of people just wanting a marble for the yard dog. Yep. Uh, and I think that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. So um, we will wrap that up. We'll get it in there, and uh, we'll get a course ready. Um, but again, if people are joining us a little late, we talked about this off the top of the program. But after all of your generous donations and basically forcing us to do it, we came through with our end of the bargain yesterday and tag-teamed the 32-inch yard dog from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers game last night. And this was a beast. Fries on both ends of the box, a 32-inch dog, a massive bun covered in pierogies, bacon, green onions, and sour cream, and as you will see probably in the video, Michael Remus, like any good hot dog connoisseur, knew that it needed a little mustard, and he got that on it as well. But, um, Remo, what do we have here? Just a little bit of a highlight video of everything that went into uh, the Yard Dog Challenge? Yeah. Oh, and also, Fred Penner has been requested in the chat. If you oh, Fred it, Penner, Fred of course. Penner How could we forget about that? popped in with Marat on Wednesday's show. So go back if you missed it. Yeah, so their video was us eating it. Uh, it was pretty lengthy, and you don't want to watch that. So I cut out all the best part. I got it down to two minutes. I'm pretty happy with this two minutes. Not a ton of gross eating, mostly just talking and commenting on the dog. Uh, I think it's watchable. Uh, so we can talk about – Do should we start off with the video of them bringing out the dog? Here, yeah, if that's not part of it, for no, sure. No, it's not sure. part of it. So here's we ordered. We ordered it. We were waiting, and I will say this: the girl that I ordered it from. So I basically said, "Hey, uh, yeah, we'll get the yard dog." And then she kind of looked up and like smiled, and and then she just said, "I guess that's it." <laughs> uh, we did get two waters with it, but here it is being delivered. Oh, it has to go out the side door. It's yeah. that big. <laughs> yeah, went and, out the side door. And here's Remus picking it up, ready to go, with an interesting look, by the way, the white shades above his eyes, but still under the hat. 
which is uh, I, I look that only Remus can pull off. But anyways, uh, there it is. The yard dog in all its glory being delivered to us. And you can just see how many pierogies are on this thing too. That was what I was not really prepared for is just how heavy those things were uh, were going to be. Um, <laughs> Polly, got to go to big screen for this. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. Walter, the yard dog is 45 bucks. Taxes in, fries, this 32-inch monster of a dog that, um, as you will see, was quite a challenge for myself and Michael Remus. And again, a special thanks to James and Angela from Canadian Club for their great hospitality um, because we had the loge table, which was perfect for doing this, and they were incredibly patient uh, as we sort of took up the table while we tried well, to complete this challenge heading into the game. We got there. We didn't do a pre-scout. We didn't know which concession stand had it, so we kind of walked around for a bit. And, you know, by the time we sat down, it was pretty close to game time, so you can hear the, like, player intros. Um, I guess if we had known which place, we could have ordered it more quickly. And, yeah, I think by a certain point, I felt bad we were taking up the table because other people needed to sit there. So we kind of had to hurry, hurry it up. They were great, and I will say this. It pairs wonderfully with a CC and ginger ale and then washed down with a Jim Beam and lemonade, two of the wonderful cocktails that we had last night in the Loge with our friends from Canadian Club and Beam Suntory. But uh, before we get to the marble race to finish off the week, here it is, Winnipeg Sports Talk versus the Yard Dog from last night's Blue Bomber game. As promised, the WST investigative report of the Yard Dog is here. This is it, right here. 32 inches, 32 inch hot dog, loaded with pierogies, bacon, green onions, sour cream. I had heartburn before I even ate it. As they said, I think the biggest challenge on these is going to be all these little pierogies. Oh my god, this thing is massive. thing is heavy. This weighs like freaking 10 pounds. The bun is, the bun is a lot. And the bun to dog ratio, if you can see that right there, it's coming out the side. Very thick bun. You can barely lift the thing. See the first bite. We'll do a review right off the hop. Really good. Really good dog. so silly. This was the worst idea. Alright, we just gotta keep on plugging through this. I think I'm about half done. The bun is like the, is so big and heavy. It that's, is. That's, to me, that's the toughest part of this. Well, the pierogi. No, this actually wasn't too bad. To everyone who gave us these super shots and made us do this, I got this much left. Three pierogies. You're done? Because it's such a bad idea. We pretty much ate the whole thing. There still are a few pierogies. We did it all. I will say, as far as a novelty item at a game, it's like, yeah, it's 
Oh my god, I am full just <laughs> just watching that again, Reem. Um, but again, it's good. I think honestly, I know you gave ten out of ten. I will give I, I'm like a I'm Rashid Bailey, eight point eight. Um and I think you're and by the way, just one funny thing. If you go to like you get a normal hot dog, you bring it up at the stadium and you just put the thing on. Remus went to get some mustard. Obviously didn't bring the entire thing. So he came back to the loge with a handful of napkins and just basically a big pool of mustard inside the top napkin and then dress the dog with it afterwards. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. You got to find a way. We cut it with two forks. We use napkins to transport the mustard, but we got it done at the end. Thanks for all the super chats that basically forced us to do it. It was a lot of fun. Highly recommended uh, if you want to go for that. I don't think we could possibly try and take down the Walby burger, but the uh, the hot dog was great. I did. I was so full, though. I didn't get to try that Winkler Meats uh, cheese farmer sausage they had specially for last night. I'll show. I would have done that. I'll show the empty thing after. I have the picture of what it looked like empty. Um, here it is. So, like, we didn't. There was, like, a little bit left. There was some shrapnel. There was some. This was the finished product. So, like, we didn't really eat too much of the fries. I had, like, a couple pierogies and, like, a bite. Um, some of that. How long did it take? I think we took like 10, 15 minutes. It wasn't very oh, long. I think it was more than that. It was more like 20, I think. I don't know. The video. I'm a notoriously slow eater. Any of my friends will tell you that. So there and a was lot of some people, editing. A lot of people asking if we uh, paid in cash. They don't accept cash at, no, they don't <laughs> at the stadium. Cash there. They don't accept cash there. So uh, we did not pay in cash. Um. And well, people were asking, Christopher Matt asked where we got it. Mm-hmm. I believe it's at the Top Dogs in section 125. Yeah, first down uh, yeah, dogs. Yeah, because we were in 127. So yeah, first down dogs. So there it is. We'll challenge any of you. No. If you guys can get to the next game and try and take that one down, go for it. Um, and if you are planning on cutting it, you're going to need to bring a knife. We uh, could only figure out a way to do it with two plastic forks, but... We made it happen. They didn't have a knife. Yeah, my biggest complaint was they didn't have a knife, and I couldn't get, like, a container for mustard. Like, because you're not putting that under the mustard thing. Hey, you found a way. So I You put, found a way. Much like the Bombers found a way in the second half, we found a way to fulfill our responsibilities to the viewers and listeners of WST. Yeah, so I put mustard on a napkin and then had to use a fork <laughs> to get the mustard onto the dog. That was... And they didn't give us a knife. That was my two biggest... Um, right. You would think that a knife would be a logical thing with this and, because how many single people would actually go and do this? Yeah, and we also like had a it was kind of a work reason we were there with uh, James and Angel from Canadian Club. Like we had to, like we could have finished that last, but like I wanted to be a functional human, so we yeah, stopped. Yeah. But I did have a, a ton of popcorn after and sour soothers. So like it wasn't. Oh, listen, we had we had a great. We, listen, we had a great time. Uh, the those drinks and the the CC and ginger, we all love those. The Jim Beam and lemonade, highly highly recommended. Um, so thank them for yeah. their hospitality oh. and their patience before we uh, as we okay. got it going. Brand Batter says, I recommend you not bring a knife to the stadium. I guess you can't bring <laughs> a knife to the stadium, but like. 
would have been nice if they would if there was a way for good, us to cut. Good it. point, Brent. Good that point. is a good point. I we didn't you know we're just so naive. Naive. We thought that you would only use a knife for cutting food. Oh my God! I see this already. T. Will no. M. C. Stormy Walby Burger Fund going forward. Well. I mean, if we did it, we'd have to invite a bunch of friends. Like, I'm not doing a two-person. Like, I would try, like, a bite of it, but, like, we're done. Well, hey, listen, as we as we mentioned, I don't know whether he had said this on the air or off the air with Andrew, um, but, pff, listen, if somebody wants to be a hero, that Gold Eyes Grand Slamwich is, is next level. 60 bucks. What is it? It's got four burgers, four hot dogs, bacon, pierogies, cheese sauce, <laughs> cheese, fry. I can't even remember what it is, but um, that, that might be. You want to show off? Eat one of those at the uh, ballpark on Wednesday night when we're all out there. I'll be focusing on my favorite generic lager and maybe a barbecue bowl. Or I, I would say I always get pierogies. I probably don't need pierogies after how many I had last night, but I guess we'll see. Anyways, we're well past three. Let's uh, finish off this week in style as we always do. Thank you very much. Do I see some more super chats are coming in? Yeah, like we're Baluda. not. This is, this is. Well, I might be able to figure out a way that we can. Maybe we'll get. Ken was all jealous that he wasn't a part of it. Maybe we get okay. Weeb in on uh, the next I, time. Anyways, we'll plan on it. So Theo I went. Seegers, thanks for the membership as well. I went to get the mustard and I saw Ken and his wife. There. And like, I didn't really want to have a stop and check because like this thing was getting cold and we were recording the video. So I didn't, wasn't That's right. Looking. The video was going on at that time. And you're kind of like, where is he? And I, he had, he had his, Remus had his game face on, which you needed to do to take on the yard dog. So uh, there it is. We'll put, we might have a longer video maybe in our member section that will have all, yeah. the, uh, all of the, the gory details. Uh, but thanks for the super chats. We will have another. Another food challenge for sure. Coming no, up we're not point. having any challenge. That was the last, first and last. No, I hey, listen. You, you can you can opt out. You can you know not be a part of it. But I listen. Think of all the likes. This is that's the one thing okay. that motivates you. And I know that you'll reconsider once you look at all of that. So, Anyways, let's get Tristan Rivers ready to go, and uh, let's have a marble race to finish off the week here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Remus, fire up. T-R-M, and let's get going. It's Friday, another week of words gone by. You deserve to treat yourself, maybe ice cream can go find a ride. Oh, the whole day in, so that you can't Alrighty, uh, let's do this, folks. Thanks again to all the Super Chats and everyone that's with us. Um, of course, we've got the uh, very prestigious 
WST hoodie for our winner today. Shout out to Zach, who won last week. We're going to hook up with Zach in the next couple days, and uh, we'll make it happen. And um, we've got another one out today. Big thanks to our friends at Shipman Associates for helping us out with the uh, awesome hoodies. Remus, we have added special guests this week, and we had a few of them. Seabear Stud and the U of M Bison and U Sports Rookie of the Year, Simon Hildebrandt. Morgan Barron, who joined us on Tuesday. The new contract for Gabriel Bellardi means you get a marble. Um, who else did we put in? Uh, the Yard Dog, Kenny Lawler. Yeah, oh yeah, Kenny Lawler, and welcome Fred back, Marble. Penner. And one for the Yard Dog, and of course, the legendary special guest appearance of Fred Penner. If you missed that this week, get back to Wednesday's show towards the end of Marat's visit. He brought in the heaviest hitter in the children's music game, Fred Penner, for a great conversation with us. That was certainly a highlight of the uh, of the week. All right, Reem, what are we doing for a um, mm-hmm. let me what are we doing for for a uh, track today? Yeah, let me get these in. We got how many entries? I do want to add. So it was white. You had to wear white. They were encouraging everyone to wear white at the bomber game because the bombers were wearing it. So we put out the picture. Some guy tweets to me, "What Remo's not wearing white?" I'm like, "Dude, we're in the yard, dog." Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to wear a white shirt while eating this. Come on. It's not and the guy's like, what? He's like, you could poo stains out of your kids' clothes all the time. You're not, you're afraid of little stains? <laughs> like, man, I know, it's not afraid of stains. I just want to walk around with a stained white t-shirt. Like, with half a yard dog on it. And let's yeah, face it, like, we, were like, quite on, worried. we were quite worried about how much was going to actually end up, uh, uh, end up on us. Yeah. Uh, yes. Like, MC Stormy, exactly. Bad color. For eating a yard dog. Um, hey, do we still can we still put in hacksaw for a marble if we haven't already? Sure. Yes, hacksaw. He's had a rough go, man. Hacksaw with the temperature yeah. and uh, and everything out there. He just had uh, eye surgery as well. He had to cancel on last week. So yeah, I'll, no, I'll add in hacksaw. hacksaw one. Get well. Well, he at least looked and sounded great today. But it was great to have him it, back on. I will say, um, you know, if you do have a white shirt and you did get a yard dog on it, I would recommend OxyClean. It does actually work. <laughs> I got a, got the Costco package of OxyClean at home. Remus has been pimping OxyClean from back in the warm-up days. That is the one. That is the most. should get an OxyClean sponsorship somehow. If anyone knows the OxyClean people, tell them to hook us up because Remus has been stumping for them. Okay. Four years. I, I was playing shinny outdoors once, and I got a puck in the mouth that, like, squirted out of a corner and into my face. And my yeah. white Team Canada 2002 Joe Sackick jersey had blood all over it, but instantly put it in OxyClean and made it even whiter than it was before. I got all the coffee stains out of it that were on there. Uh, <laughs> livened up my Ichiro jersey that had chocolate stains. A huge proponent of OxyClean. Here it is. Derek Schmidt loves the OxyClean. T. Kona Pauly's down with OxyClean. T. says, <laughs> T. I know an Oxy hookup. No, it's not what we're talking about. You, this, this OxyClean, you can get it at stores. It's a great household product. Not the one you're talking about. Oh, my God. Okay, we need to get to this marble race. Things are falling off the rails quickly, and it's already quarter after three. Quarter after. We got time. There's people that want to listen to this podcast. That's true. WST Bibbs. Well, I did Oxy Marble Factory. Is, what do you think of the fact? I feel like we haven't done the factory for a while. Yeah, factory sounds good. Factory sounds good. 
All right, here we go. What's our total? 212? Uh, 212. 212. All right, everybody. Good luck. Thanks for being with us for another fun week. Again, last call for the ball game Wednesday. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com. If you haven't already, get your tickets and join us. We'll be sending them all out by Monday. You might even get them on the weekend. Uh, anyways, another great week. It's time to do it. Let's go. Drop the marbles on WST. They're off. All right, here we are. Manny Fran, vanishing point, rook of the year. Turd Ferguson with a big start. We are into, the, is this the factory two or is this the original This is factory? marble factory. Okay, yeah, this is the original one. Who's coming out first? Who will it be? Peg City Dude, 22 Canuck amongst the guys. And now into a quick funnel. Peg CD Dude and 22 Canucks, still our top two, splitting out on opposite sides. Amanda with a nice start. There's Ryan as well. Turd Ferguson's right in the mix. Evan Hunter. Brant Batters with a great tip to not bring a knife to the bomber game. Oh, they're oh, and falling Yak out Man. a lot there. Yakman and Brant Batters right there. Well, this, can you get burned here by the uh, there's some fire in there? Chucker in first. Oh, the get Sean Lishka in the mix right now. Royal Sports. Oh, Brant Batters looking very good. This is a wild one, actually. I do love the factory. Who's going to get out first? It looks like it's Vanishing Point, Michael Penner, Rob Kane. The Kane's down at the Garrick right now, serving up beers and trying to win a marble race at the same time. I love the dedication to the show. Vanishing Point, Michael Penner, Rob Kane, Takedown Legend. Oh, and Kenny Lawler's in the mix as well. Wouldn't that be something if Kenny got the win? Here we are. We're rolling out up to the super heating area with uh, our top five all very, very close. It is literally anybody's race right now. Oh, and Rob Kane with the uh, nice transition. But it's Kenny Lawler. Oh, oh Kenny Lawler over the top rope. <laughs> no. Krug's also out. Isha Boy Bruce and Travis right now going through crash testing. And Isha Boy has made to do it. Ross Ransby just got thrown over the top rope. And will it be Isha Boy Bruce with the win? Bruce, another all-timer. And I, I don't believe Bruce has ever won. I think he's been in just about every one ever. But I don't believe, Bruce, you can confirm. Give me my DNF already. No, wait, what exactly? So there you go. Bruce, Curtis Perkins, Travis, The Gitch, Dave the Fantasy, Morgan Barron with a very nice one. And then FP and DC, Shane Badger, Zach C. Zach, how about that? Wins last week. And then another top 10 finish. And Rob Kane. Look at this. Bruce is out of his mind. Are you freaking kidding me? I got to say, I, 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 I'm happy that Isha Boy Bruce made it happen. He has been, he's been so close many times. And actually, more often than not, not close at all. 
but uh, got it done. And uh, that, you know what? Factory, great choice on the track today, Remus. That was a great one. Tough one for Kenny Lawler, though. I thought he had it. Yeah, Kenny Lawler was uh, on his way, like, you know, to the 20, to the 30, to the 10, and all of a sudden tackled out of bounds. <laughs> Didn't quite make it in. I thought we were going to have to go to practice and present him with a hoodie. Not quite. It's your boy, Bruce. He's going to be at the Gold Eyes night. He already has tickets. So you will yes. be bringing the hoodie there. Uh, he says, writes in chat, I am so fired up in all capitals. <laughs> yes. All Incredible. Caps, baby. How about Morgan Barron finishing sixth? I'm trying to think who else was in there. It was nice. I mean, our, uh, I mean, the guys right off the bat. Oh, Bravo, Brian, Mike Wynn with nice uh, runs, and Rob Kane, of course. Rob, you can get back to the bar. There's probably a few people waiting for you right now after you tuned out during the race. Kenny Lawler, the yard dog, came in 25th. <laughs> SK, I see Winnipeg Walter. Oh, there's Hacksaw 38. Nicely done, Hacksaw. Sam Scarf Closet. I think that's a reference to Sam Cosentino, who hops on K and R in a scarf. Scarf Closet, yes. Uh, Fred Penner, fifty fifth. Nice one for Fred. Great to have him on the show this week. We'll continue on. How many? Uh, how many were uh, knocked out? That's a good question. So there were two twelve um, that fit that were entered, and. Let's see how many. Man. Keep going down. We're at 140. So 141 finished. So there were a okay. decent number of eliminations. There sure was. Um, and obviously Over Kenny 60, Lawler like... had the, the most heartbreaking one. But what was heartbreak for Kenny Lawler was the thrill of victory for Isha Boy Bruce. What a moment. What a moment in WST history. Gabe Velarde got thrown over the top rope, I see. A number of people did. All right, well, listen, gang. Mm -hmm. uh, a great, great week. Finished off with a uh, with a great marble race. Oh, Gregory got thrown over the top yeah, so rope, did Simon. as did Simon Hildebrand. Yeah. And, of course, Kenny with the most noteworthy one of them all. Uh, going on my bios and socials. Yes, immediately. Marble Race champion of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, so, hey, Bruce, congratulations. Folks, great week. Uh, thanks again for everyone's, uh, you know, support of the Yard Dog Challenge and uh, everyone that stepped up today trying to start a new one. Hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday at the ballpark. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun night. Still have some time to get tickets. We'll send them out later on the weekend or on Monday. Uh, and otherwise, have a great weekend. I want to give a special shout out my niece and her team representing Manitoba at the flag football nationals at IG field this weekend. They got a game this afternoon. I think I'm going to head out there. So uh, good luck to the girls and everybody participating in the tournament. Super spikes on the weekend for all you super spikers. Have a good time. By the way, check out the, our friends at, uh, at Canadian club have bought a bike. Like it's like an exercise bike that apparently blends a margarita for you. It has never been used before. It's debuting at Super Spike. So if you're out there, track that thing down. I'm looking forward to report. I might pop out there for a little bit on Saturday to see what's going on. Anyways, um, fun night last night, the bomber game. 
Now it's time to get into the weekend. Shout out to Remus. Great job as always this week and all of you for making us a part of your day. Have a good one and we'll see you Monday, 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.